The meeting of the Broward County Commission is about to begin. Will all audience members please silence your cell phones? For those viewing from home or on mobile devices, thank you for watching. To stay informed about Broward County government, please visit Broward.org or follow us on social media. County Commission meetings are open to the public. Members of the public wishing to be heard on any agenda item can register one of two ways. Visit registertospeak.broward.org and fill out the online registration form. Or scan the QR code posted in various locations inside and just outside the Commission chambers to register on your mobile device. A registration form must be completed for each item you wish to speak on. If you have trouble registering digitally, visit County Administration on the fourth floor for assistance. All speakers must appear in person. No further speaker signups will be accepted after an item has been called. Please show respect for others and refrain from making impertinent, slanderous remarks or personal attacks. Boisterous behavior, including applause, booing, and cheering is not permitted. Thank you for joining us. The meeting will begin shortly.
Commissioners, see if you can hear my voice, please come to the dais. Commissioners, please come to the dais, see if you hear my voice. Commissioners, if we can come to the dais, please. Thank you. Commissioners. Okay. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. We're now going to call the order of the Broward County Board of County Commissioners meeting this Tuesday, December the 6th, 2022, about, uh, about 5 after 10 a.m. I'm going to ask everybody to please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance and please remain standing. I'm going to start off with one of our newest commissioners, Commissioner Rogers, if you will start the pledge for us. Thank you. Please remain standing, ladies and gentlemen. It is customary that we observe a moment of silence in honor of those notable persons from our community who have recently passed. We'll start with our commission. Commissioner Rogers, anybody? Put, put, your, mic put your microphone if you can, so we can hear you. Honey. You got it. Glenn Joseph, who lost a brother recently, and Judge Renata Francis, who lost her husband. Thank you, Commissioner. Thank you. Vice Mayor. Commissioner Logan. Uh, I'd like to honor Martha Lickman, a lady who, at 90 years old, um, survived the Holocaust. Uh, she, had, in her, as a teenager, hid out from the Nazis in uh, Budapest, Hungary, um, and uh, we, we may know her son, who works for me, Ron Lickman. So his mom died. Last oh, night, no. and just want to keep oh, no. uh, thoughts and prayers for his family. For Martin, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner yes, uh, Scott Scrubridge from the Fort Lauderdale Housing Authority. I mentioned it uh, briefly the last meeting, but I just wanted to do it in a formal settings. Very good. Let's also remember all the brave men and women who have served and continue to serve our armed forces, obviously here and abroad, and thank them for the service. Moment of silence, please. 
Thank you. you. May be seated. Again, welcome to our December 6, 2022 commission meeting. Thanks everyone out in the audience for joining us here today. I do want to make note that uh, item 66 will be a time certain at 11 a.m. Item 66 will be a time certain at 11 a.m. And today's music was provided by the immediate past mayor, Mayor Udine. And uh, his uh, songs were Dominic, the Italian Christmas Donkey by Lou Monte. <laughs> but this one's the best, the Hanukkah song by Adam Sandler. You, you did, didn't you? Anyway, <clears throat> thank you so much. We do have three proclamations today that will be provided. Uh, we're going to first start off with our Climate Risk and Resiliency Day presented by our Commissioner Furr, presented to uh, Daniel Stanler from the Special Advisor United Nations. I'm also going to ask if Dr. Harada was here, would she please also join uh, Mr. Stanler as well? Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is going to be a big week in Broward County. We are hosting the Southeast Florida Climate Change Summit, 14th one. And we have been lucky to have Jennifer be a part of this for the last 14 years. I, I, I don't think I'm overestimating when I say you're kind of the heart and soul of this. Uh, this is with all four counties, um, uh, Palm Beach, us, Miami-Dade, and Collier. I mean, and Monroe. And um, it's been, it's been, it has a tendency, if you're, if you're an environmentalist, you're going to be there, anywhere in, in the region. But it's also been able to attract um, people this time from all over the world. There's going to be people coming, both zooming in and, from, and flying in. And it's because, honestly, excellence attracts excellence in this matter. And today we have with us a, the special advisor to the United Nations, Daniel Sander. Um, I, I met Daniel about four or five years ago when he was at the, the Resilience Conference in Miami. And at that time, you were with Risk Management Solutions out of London. Lloyd's of London? Lloyd's of London. And nobody knows the risks of climate change like those people in the insurance company. That's their job. And he can scare you a little bit on some things because, <laughs> yeah, I think the, the one book you gave me showed where all the risks were and down to the zip code. And unfortunately, a lot of the zip codes are ours, are around us. And so Daniel's going to be, I wanted to do a proclamation uh, to celebrate this, but tomorrow I also want to make sure everybody is invited and knows about, uh, there's going to be a conversation in the circle, in, in the circle with Daniel, uh, with mayors, city managers, Monica, I think a few of us will be, will be there. This is our chance to really ask those tough questions of, you know, of where we live and, and what, what should we be preparing for. And so it's very seldom you get somebody of the stature of Daniel here. So I really appreciate you being here and we're, we're looking forward to that conversation. So with that, I'd like to read this. It's a proclamation. Uh, Whereas Broward County, as a coastal community vulnerable to the severe and varied impacts of climate change, is committed to the resiliency of its residents, community, and economy, and whereas robust data analytics, which you love, have elevated Broward County's understanding of climate risk as a part of planning and projects, making a major turning point in the county's ability to communicate the urgent imperative of climate action. And whereas Broward County's efforts have been bolstered by private sector support, 
particularly the influence of Daniel Standard, an international expert on risk mitigation strategies who played a key role in the early regional convenings that first brought the public and private sectors together to discuss climate risk, finance, and economics. And whereas this support provided a strong basis for ongoing engagement of the private sector on economic resilience issues, both locally and as a part of the Southeast Florida Regional Climate Change Compact's Regional Climate Action Plan, and as vocal advocates for re resilient infrastructure plans and investments. And whereas Broward County will soon host the 14th Annual Southeast Florida Regional Climate Leadership Summit with strong private sector participation, including the return of Daniel Stander to serve as a session moderator and roundtable host, continuing to raise awareness for urgent and organized climate mitigation, now therefore be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of, of, of Broward County, Florida, that the Board hereby designates December 6, 2022 as Climate Risk and Resilience Day in Broward County, calling upon each citizen, local government, business, and institution to, to participate in individual and organized action to understand and, and mitigate and to understand and mitigate climate risk signed by at first proclamation signed by our new mayor and uh -huh. Fisher. And with that, let me hand it Commissioner Fur, it's really wonderful to be here. It's so nice to see you again. I do remember our first conversations, and I'd also like to um, pay respect to uh, the, the new mayor, and what an honor to be your first uh, recipient of a proclamation. Thank you very much. Um, can I just say a few words? I, I, I have no agenda here, um, but I just want to say, first of all, I'm touched and I'm humbled, and I don't think I deserve this, and it's very, very kind. Um, I, I secondly want to say, you guys are on a journey, and you've been on a journey. We met a few years ago. Jennifer, you have really been showing so much tremendous leadership, but I also really fondly remember Rep Jacobs and the work that she did many, many years ago in bringing the compact together. That journey that you've been on, you've had the foresight to recognize that resilience exists at all levels, at the hyper-local, at the regional, hence the compact, but also at the national and the work that you do um, lobbying all the way up to the federal government. That's really important. Um, if I may say, I've had the privilege to observe two really important developments since the times that I've been involved in this part of the world. When I first was here, um, Jennifer and I were having conversations about, should we prepare ourselves for one foot, or for two foot, or for three foot? These are important conversations, but for me, they were, if you will, um, constrained in this concept of the hazard. How high is the hazard? And that doesn't really translate to people. We know one foot, two foot, three foot, what does that mean? And so the real journey that I feel you've been on over the course of the last few years is to try and understand how the changes in the hazard translate to impacts, economic impacts and community impacts, so that you can begin to then engage the private sector and understanding what these uh, the, the, the climate scenarios mean, but also engaging the community. And that then leads me to the second thing that I've noticed, which is when I was first here, if I may say, it felt like it was a conversation that was happening within the commission, between the four counties, and it was very public sector dominated. That is no bad thing that the public sector 
the elected and the non-elected officials are really engaged in this topic. However, we need a whole of society solution. The, the, the issues are too large for either the public sector or the private sector to solve alone. And what I've really been inspired to see over the last few years is the extent to which you have fostered that engagement with the private sector so that you can come together as a whole community to address these issues. And it's been a pleasure and a privilege to watch you go on that journey. And such as I can help in any way Way in the, the weeks, months, and years to come, you know that you, you have a friend in me, and I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're also going to have a commission photo if we can, so commissioners, we can gather around. Thank you, Mr. Stanley, for being here today. Our next proclamation will give a given to Stanley Panaman Day. It'll begin by Commissioner Udine, presented to Jay Coucher, I believe, from the Broward Veterans Coalition. Would you all please come forward? So Jay and everyone from the Veterans Coalition, come on down. I see my dear friend Patty Lynn with us today. Yeah. Okay, whereas Stanley Francis Panaman was born on April 19, 1943 in Allentown, Pennsylvania, whereas Stanley's parents, Morton and Sylvia Panaman, moved the family back to Queens where he graduated from Martin Van Buren High School and joined the Marines shortly thereafter to proudly serve his country. Whereas upon being discharged from the Marines, Stanley married and had two children, they resided in Bayshore, Bayshore, Long Island until 2001 when Stanley relocated to Tamarack, Florida. While residing in Tamarack, Stanley immersed himself in the community where he served as the president of the Broward's Veteran, Veterans Coalition, senior vice commander of DAV Chapter 73 Tamarack, the conservation and programs chair of the Sierra Club, and as a member of the Tamarack's Veteran Affairs Committee, where he was instrumental in obtaining speakers for the city's yearly Veterans and Memorial Day ceremonies. Sadly, Stanley passed away July 2nd, 2022, leaving behind his son Jonathan, his daughter Melissa, his eight grandchildren, his three great-grandchildren, his niece, nephew, as well as their children and the families he was part of through his wonderful volunteer service in Tamarack. Stanley's main concern was always veterans. He was tenacious, dedicated, and determined to accomplish what he set his mind to do. We are thankful for having had the pleasure of knowing Stanley, thankful for his service to country, community, and federal, 
veter fellow veterans. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby designates Tuesday, December 6th, as Stanley Francis Panaman Day in Broward County. And this is the second proclamation signed by our mayor, Lamar Fisher. Unless he got this one first, I don't know what order it was in. I have an extra one. We're going to go up front, take a picture. Herb can selfie us, and we'll be good to go. <laughs> Yes, would you? Again, thank you to our veterans. Thank you so much. And our third and last proclamation today will represent Romania's Great Union Day, presented by Commissioner Ryan. And we have several folks that are hopefully going to join uh, Commissioner Ryan at the podium. It's the Honorable uh, Genya, I believe, the Consul, Consulate of Romania, Miami, along with several clergy and some entrepreneurs. And I saved this introduction uh, as he first came in, and our mayor, Josh Levy from Hollywood, I understand is our honorable Romanian. So, so mayor, thank you so much for being part of this proclamation. You know, that, mayor, that's part of what makes this uh, an extra treat here this morning, is that we have our honorary Romanian and um, longtime mayor of the city of Hollywood, uh, Josh Levy, and uh, we have a number of persons you know, from the uh, faith-based Romanian community uh, that are going to be introduced. And a couple, I, I believe, are going to have some brief remarks. So yep. as, as far as the pronunciation, you can well imagine it's a good idea for me to have uh, uh, Eugene Bull go ahead and do the uh, introduction. Can you? Go ahead, Eugene. Absolutely. Well, welcome, everybody. Binet um, we are so honored to have a representation from the Romanian consulate here, members of the Romanian-American clergy, members of the Romanian-American business and entrepreneurship. Um, and so I'm going to go through very quickly through the list. Um, obviously, we have the honor, Honorable uh, Catalin Gena, the Consul General, Consul of Romania in Miami. Uh, we have Reverend Nelurus, pastor at the Alim Romanian Pentecostal Church in Hollywood. We have Reverend Marian Kirla, pastor at the Grace Romanian Baptist Church in Hollywood. Uh, Reverend Florin Vancha, pastor at the New Life Romanian Baptist Church in Hollywood. Uh, we have Reverend Mircha Hussar, who works as the manager of uh, End of Life Services for Vitus Healthcare in Hollywood. We have Mr. George Pajoga, a Romanian-American entrepreneur and the owner of a real estate company. We also have Lara Orlanis, um, the co-owner of one of the Romanian-American restaurants in Hollywood, downtown Hollywood. Yeah, Villa Romana. And, um, of course, we have our honorary Romanian, Mr. Josh Levy, Mayor of Hollywood. So we're so happy to have everybody here. 
All right, with that, I'm going to go ahead and um, read the proclamation, and then we'll have some uh, remarks by a couple of, of our distinguished guests. So on this proclamation, um, on this December 6th, um, on December 1, Romanian Americans across the United States celebrate the Great Union of Romanians, marking 104 years since the consolidation of Romanian territories into a unified modern state inspired by the principles of democracy, economic liberty, freedom, and social progress. And whereas the United States and Romania share a deep and long-standing bond of friendship built on a shared set of democratic values, human rights, the rule of law, open markets, and a joint commitment to advancing transatlantic security. And whereas Romania is a trusted security partner of the United States and a strong ally on the eastern flank of NATO that hosts more than 3,000 U.S. troops who work with their Romanian counterparts to advance regional security. And whereas Romania borders Ukraine and has partnered with the United States to aid Ukraine by welcoming thousands of Ukrainian refugees and by facilitating the transport of critical American and international aid into Ukraine. And of course, the, uh, the Romanian nation was unified just after World War I, but the history is much longer. Um, whereas the United States, Romanian Americans, have assimilated and contributed greatly to the advancement of American life since the early days of the Republic, starting with Samuel Damien, a Romanian scientist who advised Benjamin Franklin on electricity and also Brevart Brigadier General George Pamuts, a Romanian-American commander of the Union Army during the American Civil War. Whereas thousands of Romanian-Americans made Broward County their home, their talent Strong work ethic, entrepreneurial spirit, and creativity have resulted in substantial contributions to social, cultural, and economic life of Broward County. And whereas Romanian American places of worship, such as the Elam Romanian Pentecostal Church, the New Life Romanian Baptist Church, the Grace Romanian Baptist Church, Holy Cross Romanian Orthodox Church, the Holy Trinity Romanian Orthodox Church represent important spiritual, ethnic, and cultural hubs for the Romanian-American community in Broward County. I tell you, that's, that's more churches than I have in my entire community. <laughs> <laughs> Be it proclaimed by the Broward County Board of County Commissioners that in honor of the significant contributions made by Romanian-American community in Broward County, the board hereby designates Thursday, December 1, 2022 as Romanian Great Union Day and the Romanian American Community of Broward County Day in Broward County, Florida. So if we will start with some, <laughs> some brief remarks from our Consulate General. Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable Mayor, 
Honorable uh, Commissioners, uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you for your first uh, meeting in this uh, composition and, uh, well, I wish you very much success in your endeavors. Uh, I'm honored here to be present in the county of Florida, who hosts the largest Romanian community in Florida. As you have heard, there are the most Romanian churches in Florida, here in Broward County. The most numerous community of Romanians here in Florida is in Broward County. Uh, as I have uh, here, uh, my, my friend and, uh, uh, well, adopted Romanian <laughs> mayor, uh, Josh Levi, uh, Hollywood is a sister city with Bayamare. Fort Lauderdale, I had the opportunity to, to uh, be present at the signing of the sister city agreement with Constanza. Uh, Broward County is an unexplored possibility of cooperation between our two countries and uh, the, commu the Romanian community, uh, which is here represented uh, partially by, by uh, all these uh, members here, make a, a very great difference in the 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 uh, the approach of human to human relations. Romania uh, and the United States celebrate this year 25 years of strategic partnership, which was established at the visit of uh, President Bill Clinton in Romania in July 1997. Uh, it has over 130 years of diplomatic <clears throat> relations. The Romanians came here, as you have heard, uh, since uh, Benjamin Franklin's time. Now, today, we are here to honor the new Romanian community and I want to thank you for honoring the Romanian National Day, but it is due to the Romanian Americans living here in Broward County. And I want to ask you to uh, try together with our consulate and especially with the Romanian community to strengthen our, our uh, cooperation and to just pinpoint some of the, the, the uh, realizations of the Romanian community here. I thank you very much and we are all very honored. Well said. So we'll have a spokesperson for the, uh, the faith-based community uh, speak, but I do hope that, um, and perhaps we can get the uh, county administrator to, um, 
you know, assist us on this. We need a little bit of money in the uh, mayor's travel budget so he can go over to Romania and help with those relations. So, uh, we need to spoke Mayor Levy from will have to join me, the though. Faith community. Yes, yeah. Okay. Good morning. I will be asked to say two words, and those two words are thank you. Uh, we are very grateful and uh, very honored to be in your presence and uh, indeed for this proclamation, December 1st, it's a huge day for Romanian people. Those of you who know about Romania, the first word that comes to mind is not Romania but Transylvania. Because when I introduce myself to people here in, in the South Florida community, they ask me, where are you from? I do speak with an accent as you can hear me. And I say, from Transylvania, really? You are from Transylvania? So Transylvania was united with Romania in 1918, December 1st. Romania as a name comes from the Romanova in Latin, which means the new Rome. So Romania was uh, uh, united to other provinces in 1859. So that's where Romania comes from and we are very privileged to be here. In uh, 2002, Miami Herald had an article about the Romanian community in South Florida, and the title of the article was The Anonymous Community. So I was ministering in a congregation, what's now the New Life, where uh, Pastor Florin Vancha uh, ministers, and I was startled by the, by the label, but it was very apt label. Because Romanian people are humble people, not just hardworking people. We don't like to push ourselves forward, and we like to minister, we like to contribute to the welfare of the county in quiet ways and we don't put our names. Not too many Romanians are out there in the news media, you know, for the good or the bad. So that's a good, that's a good thing, I think. I think we try to strive to fulfill what the scripture is teaching us in, uh, in uh, Jeremiah, for example, in Old Testament, to seek the welfare of the city or the county or the area where God has placed us. So that's what we do. Uh, as ministers, obviously, we teach people to live uh, moralized and spiritualized. Uh, me, myself, in my ministry as a chaplain, I'm known as Chaplain Mitch in Hospice, I'm trying to help people to be prepared for the better life. Olam haba, as we say in the Hebrew language, uh, the world to come, we have similar beliefs with the Jewish people as Christians, we prepare for eternity. So we're in holiday season, I wanna wish each and every one of you, those who are of the Jewish faith, uh, to have a happy Hanukkah, for the Christians a Merry Christmas, and for everybody a Happy New Year. And thank you very much for the privilege. And there is a very special relationship between the city of Hollywood and the uh, Romanian country, so uh, we would be at a loss if we didn't have available for us uh, Mayor Josh Levy to uh, speak a little bit about that relationship. Mayor? Well, thank you, Commissioner Ryan, and, and it's great to be here at the Broward County Commission. Uh, Mayor Fisher, congratulations and thank you. And, uh, of course, to Consul General Catalin and... Uh, and the Romanian uh, community. You've heard a lot about the Romanian Orthodox churches that are in the city of Hollywood and uh, obviously in, in Broward County as well. And we really uh, strive to evermore nurture that relationship, uh, the international bonds between our international community that it resides here in Broward County, of course, we know makes the county what it is, makes our city what it is. Our relationship uh, as a sister city with Bayamara in the northwestern uh, section of Transylvania in, uh, in Romania. We look to strengthen those ties and we thank you for recognizing uh, the Romanian community today at the Bra at Broward County. Thank you so much. We're gonna come up here for a photo. Commissioner. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, again, thank you to our Romanian community and for being part of our ceremony today. We're now going to welcome our reading clerk, Latasha Flintroy, who's with us this morning. Thank you, Latasha, for being here. If you will read the Tuesday morning memo. Tuesday agenda memorandum. The following are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are 1 through 47. Public hearing items are 48 through 60. Regular items are 61 through 70. I request the following withdrawals, Scrivener error corrections, and inclusion of additional information. Withdrawals, deferral substitutions, none. Scrivener's errors, none. Additional information. At the request of the county attorney to be added to the additional information is item number 14. The board's consideration of this item is based on exhibit two distributed as additional material. Also to be added per the request of the county attorney is item number 30. The board's consideration of this item is based on the item as amended by the replacement exhibit one distributed as additional material. Item number 56, the board's consideration of this item is based on the item as amended by exhibit two to the item. Item number 59, the board's consideration of the item number 59 is based on the proposed ordinance as amended by exhibit two. Item number 64, the summary explanation background section contains the following sentence. On November 4, 2022, a subsequent notice was posted for 15 days. As a result, the notice posting ended on November 30th, 2022. There were no vendor responses or questions received during this time. Additional material. Item number one hyphen A, board appointment. Item number 14, budget resolution submitted by Regional Emergency Services and Communications. Item number 30, executed Fourth Amendment 
to agreement for vision plan for finance and administrative services. Item number 46, addition to the Federal Legislative and Executive Program for Intergovernmental Affairs. Item number 57, memo on accessory dwelling units from Resilient Environment Department. Mayor requests without objection, items number 65 and 69 be moved to consent. Please note time certain item, item number 66, time certain at 11 o'clock a.m. Thank you so much for that. I know that uh, for the record, that was not the same memorandum that we received uh, on our dice today. There were some minute changes. Uh, Mr. Myers, you want to talk about that? Yes, Mayor. The two items that were added back for some reason were, they were on the Monday night memo, but they were omitted from the Tuesday morning memo. They are things that the board has seen, so no changes, just putting them back on for the record. Again, just it's already read in the record, so thank you so much for that. And Mr. Mayor, if I yes. might, I just wanted to explain to the, um, particularly the new members on the board, we have some technical <clears> difficulties <throat> this morning with the Tuesday morning memo, but what we're going to do is make sure it's corrected and it will be distributed so it's part of the official record. It'll be coming out shortly. Thank you. Very good. Thank you so much. We're now under a consent agenda. I'm going to ask the commissioners if they have any polls. I'll start with Commissioner McGinsey. Any polls? Commissioner Bogan? Yes. Um, I wanted to, I'm going to pull number 70, which is my mo is a parking garage. I, I, I kind of got the feeling that uh, there might be some of commissioners here that don't want it on, so I'm going to uh, uh, take it off. I, all I want to do is um, maybe bring it, if things don't move along, I bring it once a quarter. I wasn't planning on bringing it every meeting. If you may remember the last year or two, um, I didn't really address it most of the time. So, um, and just for our new commissioners, um, when I was mayor, I put something called the parking garage, which is items that we're working on that I just want to get updates on and updates and updates. But anyway, so we're going to pull it, uh, not pull it, but we're going to withdraw. We're going to withdraw it. Number withdraw seven. That. We're withdrawing item number seven. Right. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Ryan, any polls? Uh, I just want to uh, mention that uh, I appreciate uh, Commissioner Bogan's um, initiative here and um, there are some important issues that that come to the forefront and uh, how we will address them you know on a weekly or a monthly basis I think after it's been introduced that we we seem to have a lead person on the issue that um, it would come up based upon the concerns of that individual commissioner but I do thank uh, Commissioner Bogan for bringing so many of these um, important items to the forefront with that I have no polls very good Commissioner Dean no polls sir vice mayor uh, number eight for an abstention. Number eight, very good. Commissioner no Furr, no Senator, Commissioner. Okay, Mr. Myers, would you read the consent agenda for approval? I'm sorry, public polls. I apologize. Thank you for that. Public polls, uh, Ms. Sapiro. I think we have item 45 and 46 in the That's public. That's correct. That's correct. Any other polls on that? Thank you for that correction, Commissioner Furr. All right, Commissioner Myers, can you read the consent agenda? Thank you, Mayor. Uh, so the consent agenda consists of items number one through 47, uh, less item eight, which was pulled for an abstention, and less items 45 and 46, which were pulled by members of the public, and then added to the consent agenda are items 65 and 69. Mr. Mayor, I move yes. approval of the consent agenda as Second. read by the county attorney. Moved by Second. Senator Gross, second by Commissioner Bogan. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Thank you for that. Very good. On our consent, item number eight we are on. Reading clerk. 
Item number eight, which was pulled by a member of the commission. Motion A is a motion to approve the first amendment to contract number 34346-22 between the Broward Behavioral Health Coalition and the county to provide community-based substance abuse disorder treatment services. Motion B is a motion to adopt res budget resolution within the BARC Division Substance Abuse Service Grant Fund. Motion C is a motion to approve a three new grant positions within the Human Services Department, BARC Division. Thank you. Vice Mayor? Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, uh, I serve on the board of the Broward Behavioral Health Coalition, which will be impacted financially if item 8 passes. I do not receive any compensation for serving on this board and therefore have no actual statutory voting conflict. However, to avoid the appearance of a conflict, I'm abstaining on item 8 and ask that that be reflected in the minutes. Mr. Mayor, move approval of item 8. Second. Oh, Senator Geller, second by Commissioner Furr. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? So that passes eight with one abstention. Thank you so much. Let me continue on our consent agenda. Item number 45. Item number 45 is a motion to approve Brock County Board of County Commissioners 2023 State Legislative and Executive Program, which was pulled by Mr. Michael Rayner. Very good. Mr. Rayner, can you please come forward? Good morning, Mayor and Commissioners, and welcome, Commissioner uh, Rogers and Commissioner McKenzie. Uh, Michael Brainer, Chair of the Broward County Human Rights Board. Um, some items I'm going to speak on behalf of the Board and some myself. Um, on on uh, the, the uh, Florida, Mayor, if, if I, you want to just take up both items, 45 and 46, I can speak to both. We'll take up 45 and 46. Thank and you. if I could just have the three minutes for each of those, that would be great. I'll go through it quickly. Go ahead. And as fast as I can. The mayor, the county attorney shaking his head no. We want to take one at a time then if you, you want your three minutes okay. each. You, you could do it either way. Whichever's easier for yeah, you. It's okay. Technically, it's three minutes because they're sort of really. You want to, to take it. your full three minutes on each, just go ahead with 45. Okay. Um, on the Florida um, agenda, just on page 8 of 22, um, under criminal justice reform, uh, there's been an issue over the last several years. Um, that uh, Senator Pizzo and a few others have sponsored, uh, and it's called the HIV Prevention Justice Act. And one of the issues uh, that's concerning on here is um, Florida statute, uh, statute on criminal transmission of HIV is outdated to the Stone Age. Um, the law currently, and uh, Commissioner Rogers is familiar with this because we worked on the issue in Tallahassee to uh, free a 25-year-old Haitian young girl who was dying of AIDS and cancer in jail, who uh, it became a death sentence actually for her, um, and we actually got her paroled. But basically under current law, um, somebody like myself, who's HIV positive, whose uh, viral load is undetectable, um, I'm not advocating for it, but I could actually engage in sexual intercourse with somebody without a condom, because treatment is considered prevention when your viral load is undetectable. So the ability to transmit HIV, according to the CDC and NIH, is actually not possible. And so for that reason, um, you know, one of the big issues, though, with the statute that's in place right now relates to disclosure, and it's the failure to disclose. Uh, however, that statute also does not account for how HIV is transmitted, how HIV can be prevented, 
it is something that came about in the early 90s and 80s when we knew very little about HIV at the time. I'm now living almost 26 years with HIV AIDS. I've seen the worst of being 126 pounds myself, um, and now I'm quite plump and going bald. Um, but on this one, uh, currently what this could mean is if somebody didn't disclose their status and had intercourse with a person three times or three different people, and it's per count. Somebody could actually be charged with a third-degree felony and serve up to five years per count. And so uh, the effort uh, by advocates in, in Tallahassee and nationally is trying to at least downgrade this to a misdemeanor charge and also to account for um, that it has to be an intentional transmission. Um, and a lot of this you might have heard back then when there was an issue with a dentist who was actually intentionally infecting um, uh, patients with HIV. And so, unfortunately, the legislature had a knee-jerk reaction, and it's harming uh, where people now are uh, stigmatized and not wanting to get tested for HIV, and sometimes fearing to disclose because it could be used, especially against women, um, as a tool of coercion and abuse. Um, I think that was it for the state one. I just want to applaud in this time and age when we're dealing with anti-Semitism and other types of hate crime and hate speech at an all-time high. Um, I applaud this commission for its continued commitment. Um, you know, just this past weekend in North Carolina, we saw a substation, an electrical substation being taken out simply because of a drag show performance in a nearby area. Um, it's just ridiculous uh, the, what white supremacists and others are doing. So thank, thank you. you. Mr. Rainer. Is there a motion to approve item 45? Move moved. moved by Commissioner second. Bogan, second by Vice Mayor. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Thank you. Item 46, Lieutenant Clerk. Item 46 is a motion to approve Broward County Board of County Commissioners Federal Legislative and Executive Program for the 118th United States Congress. Mr. Rainer, you're back on. Uh, just a quick question, Mr. Mayor. On that one, on the last one, was the, it amended to include uh, the HIV Prevention Justice Act or no? It was just uh, it was a motion to approve as stated. Okay. Okay. Um, Okay. On the federal one, um, on page 10 under civil rights, uh, because we know that there was a vote right now in the Florida, uh, in the U.S. Senate, and there's an impending vote in the Florida House where um, uh, we know on marriage equality, I, I would just ask maybe that a line to address um, full support for full marriage equality be included. Um, the provision that was passed in the Senate has religious carve-outs, which Personally, I find offensive um, and unnecessary because those protections are already there. And there's already fears that that language could actually have more adverse, more adverse actions against LGBTQ people. Um, but we know that sometimes in legislation and the sausage making that you have to settle for what you can get. Um, but I, given the impending vote, and we know that this will be done very soon and signed by the president, um, even with those provisions, I would just ask that maybe this commission take a, a stand and just expressly put support for full marriage equality for all people. Um, and it also under page 13, under uh, housing services uh, for special populations, it states just LGBTQ youth. Um, I, I wouldn't want to just qualify it just for youth. I would actually urge that it be LGBTQ uh, individuals and youth. Um, you know, the county's already been engaged in funding things like at the affordable housing for seniors um, at like over at the Pride Center to address that population, which has a harder time. Um, but 
more especially, I think, that needs more attention is uh, transgender individuals who struggle to actually find housing. And a lot of times they even struggle to find housing in some of the homeless shelters and are looking really for maybe a pilot project um, that really will cater to around them. Unfortunately, in the transgender community, we find a, a significant number and a very large number that unfortunately is engaging in survival sex or commercial sex work to survive. And sometimes that is not consistent with um, the terms and conditions of living in a homeless shelter. And so I think we need to have some special programs that wrap around and really help engage with uh, job training, GED, um, attaining, and um, other needs. So I think that's something that uh, needs to be looked into, and I just ask that that be considered uh, and amended. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rayner. And um, before I ask for a vote on this, thank you for your comments, and we're going to check out them legally to see if we can actually put those in our legislative acts. So that's why we didn't vote on it today. We're going to make sure everything it can be included if, if the board decides. But thank you so much. Thank you, Mayor. Uh -huh. Is there a motion to approve item 46? So moved. Commissioner Furr, second by Would, Vice Mayor. Well, I want to. I want to. I'm sorry. Comment. First. You want to comment? Yes, Commissioner. Just because I, I think you, I think you've said that already, Mayor. But I just want to make sure. I, I also support that of making sure it's full support, full marriage rights. Um, if and so whatever we have to do with regard to the wording of that, let's make sure that's in there. Very good. You Mr. hear that, Mayor. Mr. Myers. It may be what Commissioner Ryan. Commissioner Ryan. Going to go ahead. You're going to raise the additional. Well, I want to speak about uh, the Ryan White funding uh, that we get at the federal level. And um, um, there's an inequity where uh, persons who do not live in South Florida, but they will travel to South Florida for sometimes three or four months in the winter season. And they are eligible in another state, frequently in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. And uh, when the person travels to Florida, and it could be for the entire winter season, uh, the services that are provided that are, you know, eligible for that funding, um, they come from the state of Florida, you know, you know, through the federal government. But when you have uh, persons that are uh, primary residency is in another state, the other state gets all of the funding. So we've been trying to, um, you know, ameliorate that inequity and uh, I just wanted to uh, uh, continue to, to give uh, my thanks and support for our congressional delegation that has worked very hard on this issue in particular uh, Congresswoman uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz who on the Appropriations Committee has been uh, working towards getting some more equitable funding for Broward County in that regard because we have a really a lot of, of services wraparound services that the uh, uh, the uh, gay community is able to take advantage of here in the Broward County area. Thank you, Commissioner. Mr. Mayor. Vice Mayor. And then, Commission, I mean, excuse me, uh, Senator Geller. Yes, um, I just want to add to that, not only with the Ryan White, but recently we've noticed there's been considerable <laughs> dumping, that's the word it was used, of uh, people uh, for Section 8 vouchers and for homeless issues down to Florida. So, uh, and again, the feds provide that money to the state from which they are you know, uh, coming to us. So it's another area where we should probably pay attention to uh, dealing with the, 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 the root, uh, you know, funding that's available. Very good. Senator Geller. Thank you. Um, let me say two things. First, for future reference, if anybody wants to come to the commission 
and request an amendment on either the state or legislative package. You better have language because when we're voting on it, we're not drafting from the dais. So for the future, if you have concerns, first of all, I would bring them to the commission at least a day or two in advance and then have something in writing so that we have something to adopt. We, we don't draft from here. So just for future, anybody that does want to amend this, please bring language and better yet, get it to us a day or two in advance, number one. Number two, I don't want you to think that anything we put in here is really gonna change legislation. Because what we put in here, if I wanted to really affect a change on at least our state legislative package, and I, if I was supporting something, I would want this commission to come out against it. Because, you know, we're not well loved in Tallahassee and our advocating for issues frequently will cause more harm than help. That's just my opinion. Thank you, Senator. Any further commission discussion on this item? Even though it's stated in the Tuesday morning memo, Mr. Myers wants to make sure that the motion includes the additional material. Been moved by Commissioner first, second Sorry. by Vice Mayor. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Thank you for that. Okay, we have about five minutes uh, before our time certain, so let's see if we can start on our public hearings, uh, which are items 48 through 60. Begin with 48, reading clerk. The public hearing on item 48 is now open. Item 48 is a motion to adopt resolution transmitting to designated state agencies a proposed amendment to the county land use plan PC 22-4 within the city of Sunrise. No members of the public have signed up to speak. Move approval. Public closed. Commission discussions. Second. Moved by Senator Geller. Seconded by uh, Commissioner Udine. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Item 49. The public hearing on item number 49 is now open. Item 49 is a motion to enact ordinance adopting a proposed amendment to the county land use plan text PCT 22-1 revising the policy section. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Public portion closed. Commission Second. discussion. Moved by Senator Geller. Second by Commissioner McKenzie. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Thank you. Item 50. The public hearing on item 50 is now open. Item 50 is a motion to enact ordinance adopting a proposed amendment to the county land use plan text PCT 22-2 revising policy 2.16.4 regarding affordable housing. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Public portion closed. Commission discussion. Commissioner, I mean, Senator Geller, you want to speak on this? Uh, this was my item. Very, very quickly, all it does is it revises. We met with the cities. They requested some revisions so that if it's a multi-story multi building, 20, 30 stories, the 10% requirement isn't practical. So it just changed it to say as long as the ground floor is commercial, then the other floors can be residential. And it also amends, and that's what the city's requested. I was okay with that. And then working with Ralph Stone, we altered the amount on the affordable housing uh, and uh, requirements now $10,000 a unit. And uh, I would move approval. Yes, yeah. Commissioner Furr is a comment. I just want comment. to thank Senator Geller, yes. Geller for his work on this. It's been very good. It's helped all of us, and it's uh, very comprehensive and good work. 
Commissioner. Any further commission discussion? Heard a motion from Senator Geller, second by Commissioner Rogers. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Thank you. Item 51. The public hearing on item 51 is now open. Item 51 is a motion to enact ordinance adopting a proposed amendment to the county land use plan text PCT 22-3 regarding the affordable housing vision. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Public portion closed. Commission Move discussion. Approval. Moved by Senator Geller, second by Vice Mayor. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Item 52, excuse me, go ahead. The public hearing on item 52 is now open. Item 52 is a motion to adopt resolution granting renewal of a non-exclusive franchise to Yacht Stevedore Solutions LLC for a 10-year term to provide Stevedore services at Port Everglades. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Public portion closed. Commission discussion. Senator Geller is on his game today. Moved and seconded by Commissioner Dean. All in favor say aye. aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. He's even beating Commissioner Bogan, which is amazing. Item 53. The public hearing on item 53 is now open. Item 53 is a motion to adopt resolution granting renewal of a non-exclusive franchise to Yacht Stevedore Solutions LLC for a 10-year term to provide cargo handler services at Port Everglades. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Public portion closed. Commission discussion. Senator Geller once again. Vice Mayor seconds. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Item 54. The public hearing on item 54 is now open. Item 54 is a motion to adopt resolution granting renewal of a non-exclusive franchise to SMS International Shore Operations U.S. Inc. for a five-year term to provide steamship agent services at Port Everglades. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Public portion closed. Commission discussion. Who was that from? I'll move it. Thank you, Commissioner Rogers. Second by Commissioner Furr. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Thank you. Item 55. The public hearing on item 55 is now open. Item 55 is a motion to adopt resolution pertaining to the Office of Regional Emergency Services and Communications Fees, amending section 43.57 of the County Administrative Code to authorize acceptance of approved forms of electronic payment. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Public portion closed. Commission discussion. Move it by Commissioner Dean, second by Vice Mayor Rich. All in favor say aye. Post. Motion carries unanimously. Thank you. Item 56. The public hearing on item 56 is now open. Item 56 is a motion to enact ordinance amending chapter 20 of the county code of ordinance relating to film permits. The board's consideration of this item is based on the item as amended by exhibit 2. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Public portion closed. Senator Geller, I'm sure you want to say a few words. Oh my, okay. Moved by Senator wait, Geller. Wait. This is one of many film things. Second by Commissioner McKenzie. Okay. He, he moved it, okay. We're gonna, we're gonna backtrack that. Moved by Commissioner McKenzie and second by Commissioner Bogue, even though it was Senator Geller's item, but that's okay. All right. It's okay. 
All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion, motion passes unanimously. I'm just going to go through the public hearing since they're going very quickly before we get to 11 o'clock, if that's okay. Item 57. The public hearing on item 57 is now open. Item 57 is a motion to enact ordinance which was continued from September 20th, 2022. Item number 66 pertaining to zoning, amending chapter 39 of the County Code of Ordinance, providing for definitions and accessory dwellings as a permitted use in certain districts. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. A okay, public portion closed. Commission discussion? Move approval. Second. Moved by Senator Geller, second by Commissioner McKenzie. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes 8-0. Item number 58. The public hearing on item 58 is now open. Item 58 is a motion to enact ordinance creating Article 26 of Chapter 25 and a half of the County Code of Ordinances pertaining to the establishment of a mooring field in Hollywood, Florida. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Public portion closed. Commission discussion. Moved by Commissioner First, seconded by Commissioner Udine. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes eight to zero. Item 59. The public hearing on item 59 is now open. Item 59 is a motion to enact ordinance, which was continued from November 15, 2022, item number 59, pertaining to lobbying, amending chapters 1 and 26 of the County Code of Ordinances. The board's consideration of this item is based on the item as amended by Exhibit 2. No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Public portion closed. Commission discussion. Anybody? Yes, Commissioner Udine. Uh, I'm, I'm going to support this. I know we spoke about it at the last meeting and I, you know, I'm supporting this because I think that this actually makes our lobbying code stronger and it strengthens our lobbying code and that's why I'm supporting it. I know there was some talk about it at, at the last meeting and I think that when you really clear this up and when, when you, this, this now puts some teeth into some of these things and for the public. A lot of the public thinks this just applies to the nine of us up here. It really doesn't. No. It applies to every municipal elected official that's covered by the OIG charter. And this now gives the OIG certain powers that they didn't have before this was in here. And that's why I'm supporting it. I think that this makes this more clear and this makes this more, um, I'm not going to say restrictive, but at least more enforceable which gives it some teeth on some of this stuff. I know this has gone to the OIG and the OIG supports this because it allows him or her, whoever, the, I don't know if we've changed yet, to actually, um, to, to actually do something here about this. So with that, I'll move the, I, I know there was well, something else I want to say, but I'm Fur supporting it because it strengthens it. Commissioner Furr, I want to make a comment. Thank you. Likewise, at first I, I wanted to have a good briefing. We did have a good chance. Um, Drew had a chance to persuade me on this one. Um, and I do think it's a better, it's probably better than it was. Um, there's still, well, there's a few little things that kind of, you, know, you think a little, have to think twice about, but for the most part, this is a better ordinance. So I'm going to support it as well. Any further commission discussion? I'll move it. Moved by Commissioner Udine. Second. Second by, who do I hear that from? Commissioner McKenzie. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion passes unanimously. Last public hearing, item number 60. The public hearing on item 60 is now open. Our final public hearing item is item number 60, which is a motion to enact ordinance pertaining to the repeal of obsolete or outdated provisions in chapters 1, 15, 20, 21, and 23 of the County Code of Ordinances. 
No member of the public has signed up to speak on this item. Public portion closed. Commission discussion. Move approval. I, I, I had concern yes. about the unpasteurized okay. milk, but uh, uh, okay. Uh, move approval. Move by Senator Gale, second by Commissioner Dean. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. That brings us to our 11 o'clock certain item number 66, which is a motion to discuss Broward County's 9-11 system. It's brought forward by Commissioner Bogan, so I'm going to let him lead into the item. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I, I'd like to first start off by thanking the sheriff uh, for reaching out to me. Um, we've had several conversations, and I think we are, hopefully will agree to agree, but right, we may agree to disagree, but we had really uh, good uh, conversations about things, and for, I, I want to start off by thanking him. Um, I also want to make sure that, that I say this. You know, in the news in the past couple of years, there's been all these things about people with law enforcement officers and stuff. But, you know, in my, in my feeling is, is that, you know, as whether I'm a lawyer, there's, there's always bad apples in any profession, doctors, lawyers, and whatever. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the law enforcement officers that risk their lives every day to save the public are heroes. And I want to make sure that that comes out strong, that, that that's the way I feel about this. Because we're not here today to talk about that. We're talking about a call center today. And, and the 911 operators that deal with the stress and strain and pressure of life and death calls every day, uh, these people are also heroes. I mean, the people who are out there helping and saving the public, uh, you know, applaud. And, and I've always been a supporter of BSO and their funding. And so I just want to make sure that comes out clear. Um, at the last meeting, I just want to really touch on what had last meeting where we are today. Um, it, it had to do with a Sun Sentinel article, and I'm going to quote the article real quickly. It said, the article said, in a months-long investigation, the South Florida Sun Sentinel discovered thousands of unanswered 911 calls and talked to desperate callers who never co connected with the help they needed. It went on to say the 911 call centers remain dangerously understaffed. And the Broward Sheriff's Officer spokesman acknowledged staffing shortages, problems with retention. And uh, after that, we held a meeting and where the sheriff came before us and said, look, here's the problem. We don't have enough money. We need to pay our people more money. We're losing them to other counties. And we need to lure people here as well, not just retain our people. We need to lure people. So we need more money. And I think we all unanimously agreed and gave the sheriff millions of dollars of more money to solve the problem. We identified the problem. We identified the solution. And today, I put the agenda item on because another Sun Sentinel article talked about a Hollywood resident, a police officer who lived in Hollywood, who uh, called 911, 60 seconds, there was no answer, according to the article. I might be off by some seconds, but he then had to call um, another police department to get an ambulance. By the time the ambulance came, his wife uh, passed away. And, um, and so as I said before, um, we have 31 million passengers that go through our airport, and that's why we have an expert running our airport. Mark Gale is a professional expert trained at running airports. We don't have pilots running airports. Our port, which does billions of dollars in revenue, we have a professionally trained person that runs ports, Jonathan Daniels. We don't have ship captains running ports. We have professionally trained people running this. And so I, I use the example of a 911 system. We need a professionally trained person who has been out there for decades doing it, you know, excellent service to bring in, because we're talking life and death. We gave money. That was one problem. 
But when things continue happening, we can go and hire Fitch reports and consultants. And the bottom line is we're running a call center. This is a call center, whether it's a call center for doctors or lawyers, whatever. It's a call center, though, for the public in an emergency 911 life and death. And we need experts running it because if the people who are running aren't me measuring up to the metrics, the metrics aren't there. The numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Metrics don't lie. And when people's when the life and death, why don't we treat this the same way as we treat our port, treat our airport, treat every aspect of government in this country? We get experts who are experienced, and that's all. There's no that's that's what I believe we need. Whether it's under the sheriff's roof. <laughs> under our roof, you need an expert running something with experience if there's problems. And so I'm here today to, uh, you know, hear the sheriff because the sheriff said he was going to come. He, I believe he said to me that we don't have the whole story. And the only thing that concerns me sitting here today is last meeting we were told the problem was money. Now all of a sudden the problem is not just money, but now it's technology and, um, or other things. And um, the bottom line is, it's a phone call. A phone call has to be answered within so many seconds. Either we can do it or we can't do it. You want to get lost in the 130-page Great. I, we need people, which hopefully the sheriff's going to do. We give them the money. But again, I, I always look to, if things aren't running the way that it should be running, we need to have the professional come in and run it. That's it. Thank you. Before I open up the public, uh, Ms. Sapero, any comments before we open up to the public? Can I hear from the sheriff first? Yeah, I, I think okay. that might be You had mentioned you might want to speak after Commissioner Bogman. That's why I wanted to recognize you. We're going to open up now to the public, and I want to bring the sheriff, Tony, if you would come forward. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Sheriff, for being here. Uh, thank you all. First, congratulations on the transition of powers uh, for the mayor, vice mayor, our new commissioners who are part of the team now. Uh, and then also, <laughs> also want to actually say uh, thanks to Mark because we have had conversations over the phone and we committed to not tearing each other apart up here. I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't want to hurt you. Okay. I didn't want to hurt you. I wear my dress everywhere I go. No worries. Just for the respect, uh, Sheriff, just Commissioner Bogan. Yeah, Commissioner Bogan. He'll call me Sheriff, and then he'll call me Greg later on, and I'll call him Mark. That's, that's fine. I've been Greg for 44 years. Uh, I want to address some of the comments that were already made, and this kind of takes me away from what my initial intent was, but you have to respond and, and respond to this stuff effectively. Uh, without even taking any notes, I want to make it clear here to this entire commission that the continuation to make a statement that we don't have experts that is managing operations in this organization is an insult, whether it be intended or unintended. There are members to your own accord that are working here and have put 20, 30 plus years of experience exclusively in communication center. That's longer than any of us have served in the capacities and roles that we're in today. That's a fact. Now, the difference amongst whether or not those experts are providing you what you wish to see comes back down to this Fitch report. Now, I'm gonna get into the Hollywood incident in a moment. But it's clear, you talk about not getting caught up in 130-something pages. No, that's precisely your responsibility, is to get caught up from page one through page 136 or whatever it is, because you paid these experts to provide you with an assessment independent of what the sheriff has stated that we needed, what the chiefs of police have stated what we needed, 
with the Fire Chiefs Association has stated that we need it, need it. And these discussions has occurred over a time of several years between or ORT meetings, Chiefs recommended certain technologies. I've been in this desk twice where I've already alluded to and specifically called out some of the technologies that are now listed in this report. So you have to get caught up in the weeds of the report. If you're not going to listen to what the experts, the first responders who serve this community are saying we need, then I hope you at least listen now to the report that you paid over $100,000 for. Those recommendations that are outlined in there, and, and Commissioner Book, I'm going to answer, we'll get to the 911 stuff for um, Hollywood in a moment. But we cannot keep dismissing this type of information and content that's coming in that is supposed to guide you in your responsibilities and your decision. So I, I hope that's not a consistent pattern here that we're going to hear today as we go through every single commissioner that we don't want to get caught up in the weeds of it. Folks, I came in with three binders and I have read this report six times and highlighted it and gone through notes and looked at what it is that I need to do for my organization. And I've been doing this since the second I got it. I hope everyone has thoroughly read this report. It's important. That's why all these people are here. We're getting letters from uh, chiefs of police association, fire rescue, city managers, all saying, hey, return this over to the sheriff's office. And I've said that, but I'm not here to make that argument anymore. Enough independent groups have already stated that. Now, what's important about the Hollywood call, we'll transition into that, is understanding that these narratives that the Sun Sentinel produce are not facts driven. I've had dialogue with members of the Sun Sentinel and talked about the importance of getting it right to only be told that they're focused on expedience and getting it out there. Well, we don't have that liberty as public safety professionals to just blast out inaccurate, inaccurate content that further exacerbates the issue. So we take an added time. And added time to a point where I have in a complete binder on this single call, this single incident to make sure we got it right. And I can tell you, when you look at the timestamps for when the call came in, how we answered it, we did everything within policies, procedures, and protocols. We did not vary from that call. One of the things that is talked about is, well, we didn't have enough personnel, back to the Sun Sentinel article. Again, they're inaccurate. We didn't staff for 22 people. We were staffed accordingly. No one's talking about the fact that if you look at the data during the day of that incident, we had over 13 dispatchers out of 17 handling 911 calls. Handling calls. No one's talking about the staffing and manpower considerations that occurred down the Hollywood Police Department where all their members were tied up dealing with calls. No one's mentioned that in the time that we received the first call to making the callback notifications occur and consistent with policy and then also ensuring that we try to get uh, Mr. Uh, Sergeant Burris back on the line, we've ran through those protocols. We notified within minutes a sergeant in the Hollywood Police Department that we had a 911 hangup. And they had the responsibility at that point to make a decision on how they deploy their assets and resources. We can't keep responding to articles that are not factual. I will come here every single time you call, every single one of you. It's part of my obligation and my duty to this community. But understand, let's have conversations about facts. Let's have conversations about what's going on and how to mitigate them. Because the most important part of, in my opinion, the most important part of today's discussion is where we're going forward. 
It's not about going back to you know another call that happened or another issue. It's not about paying another hundred and something thousand dollars on reports. I narrowed this thing down, and, and perhaps I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misplaced. Maybe you all can contribute to this. But when you look at what's been stated in this report, what's been stated by every single of the staffers that I work with from under my command to my colleagues from the Chiefs of Police Association, this comes down to what we've already said before. Technology, infrastructure, staffing, uh, protocols, and a transition of powers as to whether or not we are going to do that. That is your decision to make in the appropriate funding. Of the 10 recommendations that's listed in that Fitch report, every single one of them is an obligation that this county has to take, and about two or three of them, we have to support it, and we will support it. I'll give you my commitment on that. We will support every single finding in here that has a BSO application to it. What's imperative, absolutely imperative, is that we cannot keep meeting and not making decisions. We talked about all this technology time and time again, folks. We have. Before I was here, my predecessor did. Before you were up there, your predecessors did. We have to start moving. There is nothing that we're going to provide in the sense of waiting for another quarter. I saw the recommendations in the report, and that alarms me, that it would be stated that we have the time to wait for another quarter. We answer almost 6,000 calls per day. If you think that technology is not relevant to what we are doing right now, and it's not going to be useful from Entrado to Viper to all the ASAP to all these different systems, they most certainly will change the course of how my people can perform. It was listed in that report that over 122,000 calls for services per year are associated to dealing with alarms. That's about 9.48% that constitutes we're answering calls for alarms. And there's a system that mitigates that. That frees up personnel to answer more calls and be more efficient in these facilities. The facilities in themselves, it's time that we build a state-of-the-art communication center. We've had that conversation, and this group should be proud because we proved a lot of people wrong recently. We put our heads together and figured out that we needed to build a state-of-the-art training center for this community, not for BSO, but for this community. And the walls will be completed at the end of this month. They said it will take six years. I came in, I talked about the importance to be able to sustain the training, the active shooter preparedness to get us out of the black hole that was listed and identified in that MSD commission report, to get us out of the black hole of where we lost 17 people in this community. And this group, with the exception of two new faces, said, yes, let's do it, Sheriff. And we got it done. That same sense of urgency has to take place when it comes to building out a state-of-the-art facility. That same sense of urgency has to be here when it comes to investing in these, from my account, these are minor technology things that can have a great impact. Um, so, Mayor, I went a little bit long on, on kind of the opening remarks, but, you know, my team is here. Uh, Commissioner, if you got specific questions you want to answer, anyone else, we, we'll stay here all day. But I think at the, at the end of it, it's going to come back down to these five bullet points. Mayor, I'll turn it back over to you, sir. Thank you. I know there's some additional public speakers that are signed up. I believe Mr. Scott Bain, the Broward County Council of Professional Firefighters, is here. So we're going to bring the rest of the public sure. up, Sheriff, then we're going to come back to you Fair as a board. Just yes, sir. Okay, thank you. Mr. Bain, please come forward. Good morning. Thank you, Commissioner. Mayor. Um, I come here to speak to you on behalf of the Broward County Council of Professional Firefighters. We represent nearly 2,700 active firefighters in Broward County. Um, it's made up of all the different municipalities as well as the county. Um, 
we've talked about this a number of times. You need a sole source of responsibility for this communication system. The sheriff has been willing to take that over and as the sole source, and we as the first responders in the field continue to see issues with the system. Partially technology, the staffing we believe has, you know, you've given the funds to go ahead and take care of the staffing issues, but we need the technology, we need to come up to par, we need one person responsible, or one ORCAT right now, you got ORCAT and the sheriff running independently of each other. They, they are there to work together, but you're basically staffing, you have a staffing contractor providing the services. We need one sole source. If something happens, the sheriff's willing to take that responsibility now. And that's something that as your first responders out there, we want to make sure that we're able to provide the best level of service we can. And right now under the system, we're not able to do that. So we're highly asking you to turn that system over to the sheriff and let him take over the full responsibility for the system with the funding, for the technology to go with that. Because you can't be done without funding, we all know that. Turn the system over to the sheriff. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bain. Ms. Campbell, any other speakers that have been signed up? There's one additional speaker, Gatel Ruiz. Is Gatel Ruiz here in the audience? Okay, seeing none, we're going to close the public portion discussion. We're going to have a queue starting. I have uh, Commissioner Ryan first and then Commissioner Dean. You, when you have your turn, you can ask who you want to ask, okay? <clears throat> Ms. Sapir, would you like to go ahead and talk first before we start our dialogue? Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I appreciate that. So I wanted to uh, uh, clarify a, a few things. Uh, first of all, the um, Fitch report um, was done in an effort to make sure that we are continually looking at um, our system and operations of the 911 system. We are very committed to making sure that we have the premier system and that we have a very highly functioning and efficient 911 regional communication system. That is why we continue to evaluate that. So the statements um, that were made by the sheriff um, about you know, a number of items that were related to technology, that is exactly right because that's what we asked for and we continue to do so. Um, we constantly want to make sure we are operating at the highest levels of, of all operations and that the highest technology is in place. So as you know, over the last uh, few years, we have made significant progress. We have um, invested, the board has invested $78 million to put into place a state-of-the-art uh, P25 compliant system. Um, we're putting in the 16th tower is almost finished now, which even, um, um, creates a, a double redundancy system, you, you can't get much better. We did an analysis of the top 10 counties in the state of Florida, which I provided you guys those memos um, with population, and we are by far the most <coughs> efficient as it relates to the fewest number of PSAPs, those call centers that we're talking about. So we have the premier, the, the, the primary PSAP, and only two secondary PSAPs. The next highest county has three, but most of them have five and more, many more. So when you have those additional PSAPs, you have a lot more call transfers and, and, and all those things you hear um, that you've heard about over time. What I want to make sure that the commission is very clear is that not to conflate, it's very easy to conflate all these issues. It is, there are two separate systems. There is a technology side and there's a person side. And as a body, you have 
asked the sheriff to handle the call taking and the dispatch. And so that is, he's taking care of all of that. You guys have also appropriated $11.5 million in this last budget to give him additional resources to be able to be competitive with recruitment and to have the staffing that's needed in that area. We will continue to evaluate that. And if he comes back in that, at the end of this budget cycle or as we get near that, we'll look at that again and see if that's sufficient, if they have the number of bodies they need to do that function and, and, and the right uh, appropriate resources for that. And we will make a recommendation based on his request for that function as well. But I want to be clear that the Fitch report didn't make any recommendations to give the technology to anyone. I mean, if you read it, because as he has said, and I have done it as well, and my team, we have scoured that 130-page draft report. And we did, and typically we don't love to give out drafts because there's still some vetting that, that's being done and fine-tuning and fleshing out some of those details. But we did so because of the, the nature of this, um, the urgency of this issue and the significance of this issue, the commitment that we have to make sure we are operating and functioning at the highest capacity. So I wanna make sure that you know, the, the conversation is appropriately set, that there's two different responsibilities, although the county commission has the statutory responsibility and authority to handle both of those functions. And, and we have a governance system in place that was um, in an earlier version, um, an earlier phase, um, of the reports and Fitch over the years that have been given to this body to create a governance structure so that there is, it's composed of uh, fire and police chiefs so that we hear from all of them about the regional system. You have 27 of the 31 cities in this county that function under this regional system and that is pretty significant. There, you will not find that anywhere else in the state like this in an urbanized area. So you have a lot to be proud of in this system, and we have made significant gains. And, and I just want to make sure that you understand those two, um, those two components. Um, obviously, uh, there are a number of things here um, that are recommended, and we intend many of them are well underway already. Um, but you, know, you can only do so much at the time. And we have done significant pro we've made significant progress over the last four years, including the uh, uh, putting into place this regional system. I already had a queue started, so I'm just going to follow that queue. <clears throat> Commissioner Ryan, followed by Commissioner Dean. Thank you, Mayor. So, uh, when we uh, retained Fitch as a uh, as a consultant on the number one system, this is going back to 2016. Uh, we've gone through a number of phases on the analysis of. Um, uh, implementing best practices, um, but uh, where we are now after this last uh, report on uh, phase five is, uh, you know, it's a uh, fact-specific analysis, and, uh, you know, it's a lot about call times and, and personnel, um, but what I think we have, uh, we've missed in all of our various um, analysis and discussions is the the component uh, not of the uh, the dispatch call intake and, and the dispatch personnel. I mean they do a fantastic job, and uh, but you know an analysis a high level 
uh, management operation analysis. Um, I have not seen in any of these uh, previous reports. So, um, you know, some will say, you know, listen, we've studied this and studied this and, you know, you know, give up, just, you know, turn it over to the sheriff and then it's going to be, you know, it'll be taken care of or else we'll have somebody uh, responsible. Well, you know, the county uh, funds this system. Um, you know, the, the county uh, paid for all of the, uh, the, the capital improvements and pays for the operations. So, you know, we have uh, the big vested interest. If this system goes down, if it does not uh, uh, meet best practices, uh, we nine commissioners, uh, we, we hold responsibility as well we should. So, you know, what I have, have proposed is that we bring in a, uh, a, a third party consultant, independent consultant that it, like turns a, a fresh page here and does a very direct and uh, um, compact type of, of study uh, within say 90 days and, and look at the application of uh, the, the managerial policies and how they actually will apply to uh, our 911, you know, dispatch and, and intake. And it's more than just, you know, answering a call. I mean, there's so many different variables that, ac that occur um, in that call and, and, you know, the speed by which, you know, we need responses. It's obviously, you know, life and death uh, uh, decisions. So um, there can be, in my view, some improvements with a, uh, again, a, uh, a high-level management study, and it's not being proposed, you know, to, uh, to get after uh, somebody, but rather to look for what are the, the best solutions. So I'm going to uh, propose at the appropriate time that we uh, go ahead and schedule uh, a, a meeting so that we can um, approve uh, funding for a, uh, a management study and in order to do so um, within say uh, 90 days or you know thereabouts we really are going to need to um, to waive the procurement code so you know this time urgency uh, can be addressed so those are my comments I certainly want to hear from all of my colleagues but um, you know, I, I think that we're going to be uh, well served by, by getting a, a fresh face and not like something off our regular menu of consultants, but looking for uh, some of the best consultants that can do a very prompt study and, and help us get in the, um, in the direction of how we best uh, uh, direct the uh, the management analysis and implementation, you know, for this 911 system. Okay. And, and, and to finish, it is really something that uh, I don't want to um, uh, criticize at all the 911 operators. I think that they do an absolutely fantastic job under the circumstances. But we obviously can do better. So um, uh, I'd like to hear from, um, you know, from our county administrator on this and uh, uh, whether the, the staff is, is amenable to that. And um, 
whether we can really move forward and um, uh, address this, uh, this issue, which in my view, we've never had a, uh, a high level management analysis in the six years. And I think that it's worth the time um, uh, for that endeavor. Those are my comments. Thank you, Commissioner Ryan. And before we hear Commissioner Udine, uh, Ms. Shapiro, what I heard from Commissioner Ryan was to get a third party consultant um, but obviously time is of the essence. He talked about waiving the procurement code. Could we actually see something maybe as additional material or supplemental at our next meeting? If that's what the board wishes, I'm just trying to set that up to see if it's possible. Yeah, certainly, uh, Mr. Mayor, thank you. And Commissioner Ryan, um, uh, we certainly can accommodate that and I can have an agenda item um, as a supplemental item for next Tuesday um, where we could um, propose to waive the procurement code to expedite um, um, hiring someone uh, to do the analysis that you've suggested. Um, uh, there, I know there are a few groups that come to mind, uh, Boston Consulting Group and uh, McKenzie Group, not associated with Commissioner McKenzie, uh, but, uh, um, and, and some others um, in the, in the uh, field that do exactly just that, that we could do a targeted kind of outreach and get some, um, some proposals, but um, uh, to do it in an expedited fashion um, to accommodate that. Well, again, we can have that discussion, but now the platform's there for that, okay? Uh, Commissioner Udine, followed by Senator Geller, followed by Commissioner Bogan. Thank you, Mayor. Um, through the chair, I have a couple questions from, uh, to, to okay. county administration. Okay. If I could ask, can, can Tracy or Michael Ruiz, or and Michael Ruiz come up? And, Mr. And Ruiz. Michael Ruiz. He's right behind. Okay, mm -hmm. and if the sh I know the sheriff, if the sheriff could come up too, because there's going to be some that are going to go back and forth. So I, I I have no problem having both of them there. Um, I so I want to I want to say first of all, I've gone through all 130 pages many times. I've, I I want to recognize Max Schachter, who's here from the N MSD Commission, because I've been to. Most of the ones the last few years, I missed the last one, but I watched it on TV, and I see Chief McKeon uh, from the city of Coral Springs who's here. Um, I call on those guys just like I call on people in the sheriff's office for resources when it comes to this, because I make the assumption up here that everyone's main goal is public safety and saving lives and, and doing what's right for the public. My specific questions, and, and it comes right from the Fitch report, and the first one is, because we got 130 pages, we went through it, but there's some things that jump out at me as being very obvious that I don't think we need to wait for consultants for that we can do. Number, number one is the issue of the rapid SOS for the 911 system. That's a technology upgrade that we need by the county. We already have that in place. We've purchased and procured that and that's coming in. Is that correct? That's my, correct. Well, Michael? Yes, from the techn techn technology side. So we have already the funds in place, and that is expected to come online by the, sec the first quarter of 2023. So, so spring, it's already in the works. So recommendation from the Fitch Commission about this technological piece is done on bullet point number one, and that's coming on board in the, I think you said the first quarter of 23? That's right, in the spring of 23. It's already procured. We're not going through fights with procurements That's, and lawsuits and That's the whole correct. thing. Correct. That's coming in correct. on number one. Correct? Correct. Sheriff, correct? I'm with you. Okay. Number two, and, and this one to me is extremely important. 
Number two's recommendation is to implement the ASAP to PSAP technology, and that's the sheriff mentioned that. These alarm calls that come in, an alarm call comes in, should be going right into the CAD system, but instead we're getting a huge percentage of alarm calls that are being answered by human beings. That, that percentage of alarm calls that are coming in are bogging down the technology and are bogging down the people in a big way. Has that been, so to do that, as I understand it in my review of the Fitch report and my speaking to McKeon and to, to technical people, we have contracted with Motorola to do all this stuff. We have, I think everyone has said, our technology piece that we're procuring, that we're in process, is latest and greatest. Even Carl Springs has told me in the past that the stuff that we're putting in, these 16 towers, the P25 system, it's comparable to the system that it, it's, it's the level beyond you know, what most of our local agencies have. So recommendation number two, the ASAP to PSAP, my understanding in English is, we have a version of the Motorola system. The software is being upgraded to a new version that's even more latest and greatest. That second version that it's being upgraded from is then gives you the ability to test the system with alarm systems, and, and, and that, that's what we would do there. Correct. The second thing that I have, which is incredibly important to me in Northwest Broward and to a lot of the people that are here, when we do that, when that's done, will we be able to quote unquote test the hub that we keep hearing about from the MSD commission? We'll be able to have Motorola develop the software so that we can do that, yes sir. Okay, so what we're gonna basically doing in layman's terms is we're gonna have the new system, nothing is gonna be compromised by the other 96% of the county that of, of all these calls that are answered, but this old stuff is gonna be, we're gonna then be able to run the tests. Correct. What's the time frame on that? Sometime in 2023. Okay, so Chief McKeon is here. Um, can you come down for a second? I want to just ask him a question. Let me also add something to your statement, um, Commissioner. It's important to understand that once all the technology is up and running and the county get it where it needs to be, that we need to be included in that because it's my personnel that's going to be, right. you know. Well, of course you have to be trained on it. No, but Just okay. to make sure. All right, so Chief McKeon was at the MSD Commission. And I thought the information that he added was important at the commission. And you made it your goal to be in front of the MSD commission in February of 2023, which would be the five-year anniversary. And that's where you want the agreement that we can test this hub. You don't want, your, your perception in Coral Springs is that we keep moving the goalposts. I would like to have an agreement and plan in place. And my understanding is that, yes, the upgrade will allow us to be able to test it, test the hub system. We need to have the interface built, but my understanding is there, there's a quote in hand from Motorola so we can actually start, we can pay for it, have them start building that interface right now to save time. And yes, I would like by the five-year anniversary to be able to stand there in front of the commission, much like we're doing right now, right, and say we have a definitive plan, we have a date that hopefully we've already done this upgrade to the system, we have a plan in place, the interface being built, and a projected timeline of three months, six months, nine months, whatever that is for Motorola, and a date to test it in the future instead of coming back and saying at some point we will do it. Agreed. That's my goal. What gets us to yes on that? So, if I may. Yeah. So, the communication I have provided to you all and to the MSD Commission, which all of you have seen, 
um, does that, and it expressly states the county's commitment to doing this. I spelled out a number of ways that we could get to the no-call transfers or to this, this testing of the hub. And so I don't think I could be any clearer because we do have a firm commitment to do so. And it is because the technology was not present. It was not, it doesn't exist until now that we've just gotten this Motorola quote, I, I, that they can then create that environment for us to test it. Because none of us, and I know you two also have the firm commitment that we would never want to put the, the live system in jeopardy and would never want to put public safety at risk by testing something in a live environment. So we need that safe environment that's set aside, firewalled from the live system to test us so that the CADs can speak to each other. So that is what I have spelled out very um, detailed so, to, so that the community knows that the county is firmly a partner in this and that we are committed to do so and that the resources are set aside to do so. I, I just have to push back a little bit on, and this is prior to you being in your position, so it's, we've had that same conversation. We could have had this interface much further along at this point without the upgrade being done. The conversations could be done, the interface could be built. Again, the, the vendor that provides the hub is a Motorola approved vendor. They work with them. We can start, so what I would say is, what I would suggest, if that's the commitment, then you have the quote, then what are we waiting to move forward with that? What, so, what, you know, so that's, you know, as soon as we can, again, there's, I'm sure there's discussions to be had, but what I'm saying is we don't need to wait Months. Correct. We don't need to go to the past. We're going to the present to the future. Right. Okay. So, so we have the commitment that we're going to have this agreement in place by the anniversary of MSD. That's what we're shooting for. That, that's up to. That, so, if we, so if the board's decision, if your direction to me is to do so, then absolutely. But my my only caveat here is to make sure that Motorola has the ability to do it by that date. Okay, I mean, so. The technology, we don't write that technology. Okay. We don't create that technology. We are committed to doing so. As soon as Motorola says they can go forward, they can do it, we will do it. So then we can talk later on about whatever, but just so we can do it, I mean, I'm gonna be voting for it. And I add to that, that forgetting for a second about Parkland Coral Springs with this, if this works, if this new technology works, it enables Broward County then to interface with Miami-Dade County, with Palm Beach County. If this works, it would work anywhere and it would have complete interoperability with anybody, which would really help uh, you know, on, the, on both extremes of the county. So as long as there's That's a commitment the there, I guess people will, will, will talk and, and, and work that through. But I, I just want to publicly say, if we can get this done, we'll get it done. I'll have lunch with Brad at the end of February across from Carl Springs City Hall and we'll probably talk about it. We can talk because we're not on the same board. Uh, next thing, um, on, on item number three. <laughs> item number three was a very concerning one to me. This whole callback, this whole callback thing is a real, uh, real tax on the system. And there's so many calls that come in off cell phones that need the callback. There's technology available to do it. Where are we with getting that technology? So we're in process of upgrading to the Viper 7 version of our telephony system that would allow us to turn on the functions for a computer to actually do the callback instead of having our call takers have to pick up the phone and dial it back off of a queue. 
So that would take a lot of pressure off of the humans that are there to make sure that this, because the, the, the sheer volume of numbers are so overwhelming and it takes people off the floor, floor while they're making these callbacks. The second thing that we spoke about when, when, we, when you briefed me on this, and I'm going to be looking at some point to add this to some kind of federal and state legislative platform, these, the technology, technology should be there so that when a callback comes from a, from a 911 center, on your phone it should say 911. Mm -hmm. Because right now a callback comes back and it says 954, you know, 723-1234. If someone's having a heart attack and they're calling 911 and they missed it, they're not picking up a phone. If they don't know the number from them, it gets caught in a lot of things and that bogs things down. But so the Viper technology, we've already purchased it? Well, we're in process of doing the upgrade. It's an existing okay. software that we're going to be upgrading. So we don't need to, we're not going to have lobbyists procuring this. No. This is, we're getting no, it. What's the time frame on that when we would get that done? Also in 2023. Well, early or late? Probably later in the year. Commissioner, this is part of the sense of urgency I was talking about. Okay. And you're, you're I have to speak, sir. Okay. You're, you're identifying precisely what the issues has been when it comes to why can't you get the buy-in from the first responder community who's out here doing in terms of maintaining and keeping the system with this bifurcated or dual process of responsibility. We've had these dialogues from ORT to whatever it may have been for quite some time, but we never set deadlines. We never set benchmarks to get things done. It's always, it's coming, and then somewhere it get lost in the shuffle where either it doesn't get done or we're back up in front of this body figuring out how do we make sure we put the appropriate pressures on all parts from my personnel to your personnel to get it done. I agreed. How do we get it done? So, how do we get this Viper technology procured and in the system? Mr. Biro. So, and, and Michael can talk about some of the, the, on the technical side, but again, as we have just stated, we are talking about moving forward. And in the last six or seven months, I think that all the parties in this room can attest to the level of commitment and the sense of urgency that we have had on the county to make this happen. So I, I can I tell you that the commitment is there. We're giving you deadlines, we're giving you timeframes and you can hold us to that because we are moving forward in that direction and I've put it in writing to this body. Okay. If I may, I do think that we could benefit from providing what I refer to as technology roadmaps to our law enforcement and fire communities. Uh, I think in, in the past at times the communication perhaps hasn't been as precise as they would like. I think you're hearing that from them. This, this is not a new issue. This is sort of a, a long-standing communication issue. And if we give them one, two, three-year timelines with milestones as to how we would upgrade, say, from 4.5 to 4.6 in our Premier One CAD system, when the Viper system is coming online, when are we going to procure, when are we going to accept, when are we going to test, etc it may give them a stronger sense that the work is actually being done as opposed to it's happening somewhere else and it's, it's a little fuzzy. So, so I, let's do that. I, I commit that we can okay. work on that level of communication with our partners to ensure that they can sort of hold us to dates that are a little more timely. You're the hearing that from said, the sheriff. Communication. Absolutely. Co cooperation. Collaboration. We're, more, we're going okay. to be more than happy to do that. All Absolutely. right. So I just have a couple more and I apologize for taking all the time, but I sat through a lot of the MSD meetings and a lot of these came up. Okay, so, so the next one that I have, and this one was a big issue too. So bullet point number five. 
there's a disconnect between the call operator, the service providers, what the county wants, what the sheriff wants on this, this script issue and the timing of getting a person out into the field or getting a person dispatched. That's bullet point number five, quick in and quick out model. What are we doing to upgrade this script protocol? And I understand it. There's a, and a lot of this stuff, I, I agree, is conflating different issues. But the problem is, is that when we're dealing with 29 municipalities or 28, whoever that are on the system, there's a lot of different rationales. But keeping somebody on that script for such a long time is very frustrating. We need to figure out a way to fix that. I toured Coral Springs uh, 911 Center. They didn't have that level. And now, I know what the sheriff's going to say, they don't have the number of volume coming in. And he's right. They don't have the number of volume coming in. But we need to fix that script issue. I don't know if that goes through ORCAD and the group that, you know, all, all work together, but we need to get some kind of resolution on that. So what's the response to that? Yeah, there's a couple of things with that one. Uh, you're talking about bullet number five. And yeah. quite frankly, you know, Commissioner, that one goes down to BSO and the Fire Chiefs Association to establish what are we willing to uh, modify. But again, you know, that's something we're not going to, we're not resisting anyone on uh, from the Sheriff's Office standpoint. But just to correct something that was said, about technology and then personnel, and that's the division between how ORCAD operates and the Sheriff's Office operate. The missing component is the management and control of the protocols. That's on the county. That's not us. Okay. Uh, we can sit down with the Fire Chiefs Association. We've already had some of those conversations. We understand some of the things that we can do, uh, but that one really falls on the Sheriff's Office to work with the Fire Chiefs Association, and we will. Yeah, I mean, for the public, I agree with you, but the protocol of having this group and this organization to come up with protocols is really because there's 27 municipalities that have different needs and different things. You dispatch for City A that has a municipal police department and City B that has a municipal police department, they have different needs. Fort Lauderdale has different needs than Pembroke Pines, and I know they've been trying to get certain things exactly the same, but we need to figure out a way to come up with the scripting. So as long as there's buy-in on that, I mean, I think that satisfies what, what, uh, what Fitch was asking. The next one um, I have, and I'm a little concerned about this, when I look to get information on the 911 systems throughout the state, it's so mumble-jumbled, you can't figure anything out with most of the thing. I can tell you which county does it the best with information that the public can get, Broward County. Broward County is the most open and transparent county as to what information you could get without making public records requests, without doing things. So this calls for auditing by a, we audit now in Broward County. We put everything in public and we have third parties auditing this. The Fitch report calls for the sheriff to self audit. Where are we on that? We have to study that more in the county? Because I'm not yes, prepared sir. to vote on that right. one until I have a lot more information so, on who's doing the auditing. Agreed. And I, I think this is a good moment to remind everyone that there's a reason this is still a draft report. Right. Um, so one of the recommendations that has been put forth by Fitch is to reconsider the approach that is used to audit how the call takers handle their calls. At the moment, we have a third party hired that actually does that process and provides us information. Because we're such a large system, Fitch has looked at it and, and considered that that might not be the best way of proceeding because there are limitations to what they're able to do, given how complex we are. 
and they're looking at large metropolitan areas around the country, so that New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, et cetera, to, to benchmark us against a more comparable region. They're thinking that perhaps it is best to allow the sheriff's office to do its own internal QA, QI, um, and then have us have a third party audit watching them. Um, it does raise some concerns, and I know I heard that from a number of you when we had that conversation. It may be a model that is used in large metropolitan areas, but it bears a lot more work before we feel comfortable with that recommendation. And again, that goes back to the fact that this is a draft report and hasn't yet been completed. So, th so that covers six and seven as far as I'm concerned. Both of those are very similar type thing with reporting after the fact. But I can tell you that it's difficult to get this stuff from other areas of the state. Broward puts it all out there, and like the sheriff mentioned before, I'm always amazed because whenever I read an article in the Sun Sentinel or I see something on the media somewhere and I call and say, give me all the backup on that, the level of detail that you can go down to the second of what actually happened, and it's not, it doesn't always line up with what, what, what gets you know, put out in the public. So on six and seven, that, that's something that I, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, number eight is also the scripting idea. It, if, if, if we have to be able to dispatch officers or to the dispatch while they're in the middle of taking information, the 140 to 150 second range, 180 second range, that's going to be a personnel and training issue to make sure that we're, and, that, and I guess that's through ORCAT with the scripts, unless I'm missing something. Just, I would add, one of the things that when we looked at that and evaluated, we do see that that's a, a partnership component between BSO and ORCAT. But going back to previous commitments that you made, uh, uh, these other bullet points with the technology is going to dictate how we're able to get to that bullet point. So we're not going to have any success. For example, you know, you're going through, if we don't put, implement recommendations one and three, then it's going to create problems for us. And I think Michael would understand. One and three we're doing. Absolutely. We're doing yeah. one and three. They yeah. already said it publicly. I'll make a motion to fire somebody just, soon if one and three aren't done. Just, just giving the public clarity. They okay. haven't read this report. You, you, I'm going to make a motion to fire somebody at some point if one and three aren't done. Yeah, well, I haven't decided yet who, but you're not on my list. You're good, so I can't fire you. But one, right. in, three, one in three has All been right. committed to. Continue on, Commissioner. All right, so I'm almost done, and I apologize for taking the time. I, I'm hopefully I'm asking some questions that you guys don't have. Um, so um, the answering, the, the, the ninth one is contractual in nature. We have to make sure that the call time, the time of picking up the call, this 50-second thing, is meeting the contractual requirements of 10 seconds or 15 seconds, however ORCAT makes that determination. And I think, again, for the public, and I'm not making excuses about this, when you answer 2 million calls, if you screw up on .002 of them, the number is still a large number overall versus answering, you know, a much smaller number of calls, and, and, and it leads itself to there. So on... Uh, on number nine, we're going to be, ORCAT's going to be looking at the contractual terms as we move forward as to what the level of requirement our community demands for answering a 911 call. We're trying to hit 10 seconds, but the nationwide standard is 15 seconds to pick that up. So that's correct, and we're actually con currently negotiating with the Barrett Sheriff's Office what the new agreement may be. You all recall that you agreed to three-month right. extensions that we're working on so that we can continue to have this conversation. So the new NINA standard, which is 15 seconds, is something that we're seriously looking at because the contract currently says 10, but it's not really what we're looking at nationwide at the moment. 
Number nine in particular suggests that based on the math done by Fitch, that there may actually be a need eventually to look at inching up the personnel requirements for BSO. However, BSO really has only had a few months to begin its recruitment process and its training process, and it's quite lengthy. It, once right. they get someone on board and they make it through a certain part, they have to go through the 12 weeks of the academy, then they have to do one-on-one -on, -one on the floor, and then even at that point, if they go uh, solo, they're essentially an inexperienced first-time call taker. So I think it's going to take them a few more months to complete their recruitment process and get everyone trained and on the floor. So it's, it's a little too early to make a determination on whether or not the numbers justify it because they have to stabilize their workforce first. But once we get there, we'll reassess where they are. And as Monica mentioned, through the budget process, if we, if we believe that they need additional personnel to meet the targets that are required, then we'll be having that conversation. Right. And I don't think, and just from, from the county's point of view, I don't think you've had a problem with the dollars on personnel no, let me just get, I sent this over to uh, Mayor uh, Lamar earlier or earlier this week, but just recap, we've had success, folks. The yeah. money that you've injected into uh, communications has done a tremendous uh, right. job for us. And to give you some figures, uh, starting in June 1st in the recruitment protocol, we had over 4,291 applicants come in. Since June 1st, we've hired over 80. Uh, we currently have 38 in the academy. We have another 20 that's aligned for the future academy. New academy date starts in two weeks. In addition to that, we just went from a 38% vacancy down to 11. And we've done that from the time that you stamped and sent us extra awesome. money. All right, so we're on a good path. Good. That's good to hear. Um, the last thing on the bullet point from the Fitch is something that we're going to have to do a better job explaining to the municipalities and the public. Because I see, I've seen this for years on this issue. I know that the Fitch Report talks about combining radio channels and, and, and call channels, and I know as soon as we talk about it, we get pushback from different stakeholders that they don't want to do this. And I, I don't understand that issue as much as I should. I haven't, but because I know there's a lot of pushback on that. You know, if you're, if you're operating with, you know, 10 channels, it could be more efficient to operate with eight channels, but we need to, we need to do a better job in explaining that last one and coming to some kind of resolution there. Not as important as items one and three to me, but item 10 is definitely something that we should be looking at. The last thing I'm going to leave out with, because I know the sheriff has mentioned this before, so I think it's important that we publicly say, our PSAPs are really not quality PSAPs right now. The, the actual physical locations are not good. They're, they're rented, they're shared facilities, they're joint facilities. In the building that we're building on Cypress Creek, one of those new buildings that we're building, we're building a full-blown state-of-the-art PSAP for the North? Yes. The Citrix building. The Citrix, yes. Okay. So that would, be, that would be the one that would cover the north part of the county. And, and, and the south part of the county, we're talking about something when we build out the emergency operations center? That, that is correct. And that would and, solve and that issue of the location. Yes. And we are, I'm, I'm going to be continuing to have a conversation with the sheriff. Sure. We've already had several. Um, about about that issue of, of exactly where and what's best for the community um, but those are the two locations that you guys have in your budget um, and your CIP that have been in there for a long time so that is exactly the path that we have been pursuing um, so I'll, I'll just close and I apologize for taking the time um, 
Chief McKeon, if you think I've missed anything and you want to call me over the next few weeks, you know we speak often. I, I'm Sheriff Tony, and I happen to think that Sheriff Tony's team is very good on who he has operating that system. I forget um, who I, the one who I always used to see at the Angie Mize. And yeah, he, he has a very good team that's doing this. I'm okay in theory if somebody wants to look at a management consultant as long as it's being done after or in compliance. I'm not waiting for any of this. If, if one and three don't get done, in my opinion, you can get consultants out the butt. It's not going to matter. One and three needs to get done and needs to get done quick. And the rest of them need to get done. I'm, I'm excited hearing here that we're going to be able to test this hub. I think that's an important thing for public safety in general. Like I said, I'm voting for it if, we, if there's a financial obligation to it, just like I voted for all the towers. I think we owe that to the MSD community and the MSD commission. That's something that they spent tons of time studying. I know the issue. I can go through the city of Parkland's issue with public safety, police, fire, PSAPs. We don't hear from plantation as much, and there's reasons for that. But the political way to solve that issue is I like to call it item number three in my mind, which is testing the hub. Testing the hub is a very important thing, and you've committed that we're going to get this done by, we have the ability to get it done if we want to by the end of February, and I'll take you at that word. Yeah. And with that, and ba ba based, on, based, on, based on Motorola's capability of doing that. We are okay. for it, but let's make sure Motorola can do it. Right, Motorola's going to, yeah, well, Motorola's an add on. We don't have to re procure it, this is no. just stuff, stuff that they're doing. Correct. Thank if you. the technology doesn't work, the technology doesn't work, but let's see if it works. Th thank you, Commissioner Udine, for, you. That, for that comment. Uh, Senator Geller? Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, let me make some preparatory uh, comments. First of all, anybody that knows me, we had discussion on being in the weeds. No, I thrive in the weeds. Um, and we'll, we'll be in the weeds and have read the Fitch report. Um, and I don't mind weeding it. Um, secondly, yeah, thank you. I think that the first duty of government is to protect its citizens, and I think every member of the commission is committed to that, and, and including our staff. And um, question, obviously, there are some disagreements as to how and what is the best way of doing that, but I think that we're all committed to the first duty of government is to protect its citizens. And the final preparatory remark I want to say is, Sheriff, you have not heard me complain about the job that you have done, nor do I anticipate that you will hear me complain about the job that you've done on the dispatch. I understand newspapers, articles uh, to the contrary, that I think that you've done a a pretty good job. I had a concern, which is that we, and I know this was a concern that Commissioner Bogan had, we, the commission, were unaware until the newspaper articles uh, broke about the extent of the, uh, of the vacancy rate. But my understanding also is this is a national issue and that this was caused to a great degree by the pandemic and also the aftermath of the pandemic where it was hard to find people to take the jobs. So, you know, I'm not going to be complaining. And I just wanted to make that when I do make some remarks that you may 
I'm not 100% agree with. Uh, I have a series of questions for county administration, and I want to know, will those be directed to Ms. Sapero or to Mr. Ruiz? I guess it just depends on what they are, Ms. Senator Geller. Okay. <laughs> we can tag team. All right. I've got a, all right, let me begin. First, uh, and by the way, I know the answers to many of these, but um, did the Fitch report uh, have any recommendations that we should be um, hiring or transferring uh, our technology to BSO? No. Um, we've heard from people that all of the larger cities have law enforcement, you know, being dispatched by sheriff. Did, did does New York have it dispatched by law enforcement? No. Chicago? No. Houston? No. Tampa? No. Okay. Um, the let's see. I'm going to get back. One of my long-time peeves, which I have brought up before, and I'm glad we have so many police chiefs here, but I am very concerned that if you look up the City of Hollywood Police Department, the City of Fort Lauderdale Police Department, I think Pembroke Pines, the main number listed, I believe, is 754-HELP. Um, there's 954-HELP. It's the the BSO number. And so if somebody call, everybody knows that if you are having an emergency, you dial 911. So if you're calling uh, that 75, is it, what, what is the number? I, I don't have the number memorized. You're referring to the non-emergency yes, number. Yes, I believe no, it's 754 helps. Um, okay. And, so if everybody is picking that up that number, when you want to call the Fort Lauderdale police and ask what their hours are so that you can go pick up a police report, or you call the Hollywood police and you want to call them because they are, you want to talk to Deputy Smith or Deputy Jones, or actually since they're not deputies, to Officer Smith or Officer Jones. Those calls, my understanding, since the main line shown is 754-HELP, aren't those calls being answered by the 911 operators, although at a different level of priority? They, they are being picked up through communications, and I think one of the conversations we had before, uh, Senator, was the fact that we need to do a better job about instituting a marketing campaign to re-educate the community to not to continue to dial 911 for non-emergency calls. Uh, just going back to the Hollywood evaluation on that last call, I talked about the majority of our folks was on 911, but we did have individuals who were on non-emergency calls, and we're wondering, okay, were those calls even supposed to have come into us? For example, uh, we may receive a call where an individual is trying to do a follow-up and make contact with an investigator in Hollywood Police Department where they're using that system and a platform to dial and use this as kind of a guide to get them to where they, they belong. And my understanding is those calls are answered by the same people right. that are answering the 911 calls, although at a lower level of priority. That's correct. Okay, so, Ms. Sapero, since you're going to, why do we permit this to occur? Because those calls are clogging up 
the 911 operators when they're clearly not intended for 911 operators. If somebody's calling the city of Hollywood, Fort Lauderdale, Plantation, maybe not Plantation, but most of the cities, they should be getting the cities. The cities should not be putting the 754 help as their main number. Thank you for the question, Senator, because we have communicated with the cities and asked them not to put the non-emergency number on their city websites because then that will do that very thing that you're, you're, you're mentioning, that it would clog up the, the capacity in the system for the, the people to answer the phones. Okay. So we have asked, we know of at least two cities that have since changed that in the, in the recent uh, last month or two. Um, and I have asked my team, actually yesterday, I asked my team to draft a memo for me to send out to all the municipalities, which I will do, if not today, by tomorrow. It will go out and uh, as a follow-up, because we've been asking them for several months, at least six months, we've been engaged with them, asking them to change their city websites, their non-emergency number, not to reflect the non-emergency uh, number that goes to the, to the PSAP. I had asked as part of the Fitch report to try and determine the number of those calls. I may have missed, it was a long report, I may have missed that number, but I don't recall seeing that. It was addressed, but I don't know if they, they mentioned a percentage in the actual report. I know that we've asked the consultants to look at that, um, and it may be in their final report or whatnot that we have not yet. Okay. Um, and if not, we, I don't recall seeing it myself, but we could probably do our best to dig it up and give you a general overall, you know, here's what we're Thank doing. Thank you, with. Sheriff, because yeah. again, I think if this will, if it, I'm going to, pull a number right out of the air and say that it's 30% of the call, since it is the main number listed on many of their websites. So if we can take 30% of the calls away from the 911 operators, that has to improve their efficiency. Uh, absolutely, and we've already started to work on things from our side. Uh, I was talking to Colonel Lorena a minute ago about making sure we design kind of a phone tree system where we can help guide folks, and we're going to have to be working with Monica and her team on that. Okay. Um, and uh, former Mayor Udine brought up the issue, and it was in the Fitch report, but something that I did not know until I had read the Fitch report that absolutely infuriated me was the callback, uh, that it's not listed as 911. Uh, so that people understand, if you're watching TV, if you call 911 and you hang up after 15 seconds or 10 seconds or whatever, uh, the system is supposed to call you back, but when it calls you back, it would show, I'm making up this number, 754 help. It would not show 911, and as uh, Commissioner Udine accurately pointed out, nobody's answering that when they're in the middle of this. I don't fully understand why this is occurring. Is this a technology issue that we can fix? Is this a federal law? Is this, you know, AT&T or can someone answer why that's occurring and if and how we can fix this? So I also have asked that very question and, and the response I have gotten is it's the telephone systems, the AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, whatever, whatever the phone companies are, it's their uh, policy to do so. Uh, Michael, please chime in if there's anything else I'm missing, but um, we feel that there may be a, a need maybe at the state level 
um, and maybe even federal level to have this um, conversation on the on the platforms for legislation, like like uh, Udine, Commissioner Udine mentioned. Because, sorry, I know I, this is what I call you behind the scenes, Udine. <laughs> um, what Commissioner Udine had mentioned as well, because this is something that is not in any of our control um, or in our under our auspice. Okay, thank you. Um, the and Sheriff now. Uh, Here's some place where I'm going to disagree. Okay. Okay. Where you were saying that Broward wasn't doing enough. Uh, Ms. Sapero, how much is... Now, there's a problem when you read the papers. People read about the uh, PSATs, or, or hold on, the, I think I have that. Um, and people talk about the... Um, uh, the throttling of the phone systems uh, of the radios, excuse me. They talk about the towers. People keep mixing all of the different sections of the dispatch and just confusing them. And can you, Ms. Sapero, tell me how much over the last two or three years um, since MSD and since the uh, airport shooting, what has the county done in terms of technology upgrades and where, for example, on our uh, system, which I believe we are currently uh, the P95, P25, I'm sorry, here we are, P25 system. My understanding is that we are now, with everything we have done, we are way above <coughs> national standards, national averages, and are basically state-of-the-art. Can you comment on this? Yes, sir. And, and, and so, um, you know, as I mentioned briefly um, earlier, and I'll elaborate a little bit more now, is in the last few years, this board has, um, you know, appropriated and we've spent $78 million um, to put into place a regional uh, P25 uh, Premier CAD 1 system. Uh, 27 of the 31 cities in this in this urban county are, are part of that uh, system, and we continue to make improvements. We, I know I hear music too. Why are we getting jingle bell rock through the speakers? I, I don't. I don't know if it's coming from up here. Maybe someone's phone. I would have right? technology. Yes. Thank okay. you, thank you, Commissioner Bogan. Okay. So, but Ms. Perro, again, so, if you so, were elaborating on our being state of the art. Yes. So, you know, in our analysis as well, I mean, we, we have folks from around uh, the county, uh, around the state, uh, calling us to see what we have done and how we have done um, and made the strides we've made over the last few years. Um, so this, this commission had a great vision and, and a commitment to public safety. And as such, that is why we have the premier CAD system that we have. Uh, so, again, like I mentioned, we have the fewest number of secondary PSAPs than anyone else in the entire state of the top 10 most populous counties. Um, I'm sure maybe some small county up in North Florida may have, you know, one PSAP. But that's because they have 23,000 people right. in so, the county. But of the top 10 most populous counties in the state, we have uh, the, the fewest number of secondary PSAPs, which which is to the heart of what you've heard, um, the narrative about, um, you know, the call transfers and those things. But that, our system minimizes that better than anyone else in the state okay. from the, the top largest and counties. 
All right, and by the way, uh, Sheriff, uh, I'm sorry, Chief, you may disagree with me on this, but I represent the city of Plantation. I've told them repeatedly, and I've said repeatedly to your city, I think that both of you should get on the countywide system, which would eliminate any of the transfers. I know you're not going to. I don't think Plantation will either, but that would eliminate the issue. Actually, I was just talking to, to Mike about this because that was a question I had for him. Yeah. We have asked in the past, and again, previous people in, in positions about the opportunity, the ability to, within the Motorola P1 CAD, to create a system so Coral Springs can operate essentially independently as we do now, and we've always been told, no, it's not an option, don't consider it. I actually happened to lean over and ask Mike that question. He said, it's a discussion worth having. So again, I think that you've seen a more willingness to to have these discussions and really that's I, I would say that's another path that we should explore because then we'd have the hub solution yes we have to have Motorola agree to the interface build it who knows how long that may take right. that's the goal by by uh, by the five-year anniversary however I would say let's explore that option as well if you're open to it and have two options instead of just one so again I'm I, open I, to, to your that. point it's, it's a discussion to be had I'm open to that my understanding is currently you would have the ability to have dispatch and still use your own people. Is that correct, so, Mr. Perry? Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to I know uh, you were. kind of simplify. <laughs> you read my mind. So, uh, Chief McCann, the, the issue that I also put in the letter, because it was one of those options, mm -hmm. that we could cut to the chase, you could still look, work on the hub, but if, you, if Coral Springs got onto the county's CAD, you still could have your call takers and your dispatchers. But the CAD system would be seamless with no call transfers. If we can operate as we do now without having to go through a governing board to change things because there's things that I need to do to perform the highest level of service, which it can be done, but when I need to upgrade or I need to change a code or, for instance, we'll just talk about the GPS because it's probably the most simplest one. Right now, I know the county is working on the GPS will update every 15 seconds or 30 seconds. I'm sorry, when somebody keys up. It, it's, it's a... It's only when the officer keys up on the radio. We have it set to every 15 seconds so that if an officer, God forbid, gets injured in the crash, gets shot, we know where they are because the radio itself is constantly updating. The county has elected to only do it as somebody keys up on the radio to make basically a manual update of the GPS system. I need to have the ability to do that within the system. And again, that's just one example, but yes, it's all about some sacrifice. You can't get everything you want, but if the safety of my officers and the safety of the residents of Coral Springs is being met, then we're open to it. Great. So if I could just respond, I'm sorry. And I, and I hate to, to get into all the weeds, the, these we types of weeds in front, of, uh, in front of the body. Right. But, but I just wanted to clarify. So um, that governance structure that you mentioned, Chief, uh, um, is, is there because it's the regional system. And, and for all of the law enforcement agencies that participate in that, so the buy-in is there from the collective. So it's not just, for example, your request might not be something that another community may uh, request and then they could be in conflict. So in order not to jeopardize the regionalization of the system, that is why that governance structure is there so that it's the collective of all the police and fire chiefs. But, but we certainly can have the conversations and I'm willing to do it and I know you and I exchanged some emails um, just as introductory, and, and I look forward to having. I also want to make sure I echo those exact same sentiments. What Chief McKeon just stated about his public safety interests and his community is what I have for this whole county, not one city. And so we can't make unilateral decisions that benefit Coral Springs and then sacrifice another county or another city in this county. We can't do that. Agreed. 
All right. Okay. But, but on that, I'm sorry. Just, but it, 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 guys, it, 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 it can be done. this out amongst it, yourselves. It, it can be done, but to your point, this conversation, again, when we sit down and talk, right. again, I'm, 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 I'm very happy to hear what we're hearing today because we're hearing collaboration. We're hearing we, not I, not them, but that. us. So thank you. Okay. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. Continue on, Senator. Thank you. The um, uh, uh, Sheriff, qu question for you. My understanding is that while you're staffing up, and Mr. Ruiz touched on this, I think you interviewed over 3,000 people to try and hire, or you had over 3,000 applications <coughs> yes. to go through to get the number of call takers that you have. And my understanding is that from that group, again, as uh, Mr. Ruiz was saying, it's a 12-week training, then they're paired one-on-one -on -one with a supervisor for a period of weeks, and then they finally go out on their own, but they're newbies and need time. So we're not really going to know for a while yet how short we are, um, because it just takes, no matter what we do, it takes time to bring new people on. Is that yeah, correct? twofold. There's a timing process for training and getting them through the basics and getting them through field training, a probationary period. But there's, there's also another com component that we're not even talking about is attrition, just natural attrition, yeah. people retiring and leaving. So we have to keep a robust amount of people in this circuit. So in the current process of evaluation, and this is what I was referencing here, we have 342 people in the pipeline. And the goal is to continue to keep that pipeline either at 340 or even 500 so that we never fall short again. Um, but as of right now, again, going from a 38% vacancy clearance down to 11 within just roughly 60 days, to, to be fair, you know, we had to put things in construct, recruiting platforms and everything else. I think that's remarkable. Let me follow up on that briefly. In terms of where Broward is versus with that 11% vacancy rate, and how quickly we answer our lines compared to other Florida counties. My understanding is we're at or near the top. Is that correct? What that's to you or to Mr. Ruiz or to Ms. Sapera? I think it's probably easy to go to Monica on that one. So you're talking about just the number of call transfers? Or, no, the vacancies. Oh, the vacancies. Now, we're, we're doing, it looks like we're Oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood I, you. Yeah, I, yeah for, from the vacancy standpoint, I believe on a state scale is about 20%, so we've dropped below that. We're at 11.8. Okay, right, so, so for sure, I misunderstood you know, it. At my understanding is the way that this works, and everybody wants 911 to be answered on the first ring. I would want it to be answered on the first yeah. ring. I understand it's horrible when it's not, but my understanding is if on a certain shift you think that you'll average 50 calls at a time, that you would staff to 70, I'm making up these numbers, but that you would have, you'd staff well above the expected number, but that if every, for some reason you get 100 calls when you're expecting 50 and you've staffed for 75, if everybody's calling at the same time for some reason, uh, that it's just impossible to staff sufficiently that every call gets answered within 10 seconds. I think you're looking for nine, the national standards are, I believe, 90% 90%, within yeah. 15 seconds. But it, we'd like to do better than that, but always. I don't think we'll ever get to 100%. I, is that I, correct? I think we're just going to have to face the realities of what you're talking about is, is any time we have a call surge, for any type of incident, whether it be a school shooting, a fire, 
that's going to require multiple resources and a lot of people calling, we can't account for what that surge volume is going to look like. So when we base our staffing levels, we look at what's consistently the call volume that's occurring in one area to the next, and then we build that model for personnel behind that. No one can predict a surge. No one. Right. And anyone's not otherwise. even a school shooting. It just sometimes there's it doesn't a surge. Even, it doesn't that, have to be that example severe. with the Hollywood police officer right. may have just been surging at that time. That's correct. Okay, I'm actually almost done. Um, video 911. There's something, uh, Mr. Udi, and I believe you have brought this up, I brought this up, I know several of us have brought up a vid the video 911, which is, I don't think that was, the, they were recommending uh, car buying. Yeah, car buying, but uh, what they were doing was somewhat, I think the system that, that Fitch was recommending that you have is something that deals with just this was done in response to uh, the panic buttons Alyssa's at the school. Um, Alyssa's law. Alyssa's law. Alyssa's law. I, want, mm -hmm. I have the wrong law. I was thinking Marcy's law. No, okay, no. Alyssa's law. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I would still like us to examine whether it's Carbine or or whether it's this company or any other company. So, so we, they have we let, can do the video. Let, let me chime in on this one. Have, let me let me check. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. You got, go ahead. No? You got it. You can explain that now. You have safer watch. Go ahead. I got it. You got safer watch. Right. Uh, just want to make does, sure. Does that, that also? No, so, you said that was the enhanced uh, SOS or emergency, does that also deal with the video? No, those are, those, you're, do not merge the different platforms, but right. let me give you some clarity. Um, so from a communication standpoint, back in June, we started to have dialogue with Tracy Jackson and the county's team and made notification that we had already introduced video 911 um, and we took the initiative on it. We didn't talk to ORCAT, okay. we didn't come here for the county, we knew it was the right thing to do and we launched it. Now, Carby 911 has come back in here and made assertions that we didn't want it, we weren't prepared, and, you know, bravo to a vendor for trying to get money. But we already have this in process. The communications have been held for months in advance. I don't think we need to invest in something that's a redundancy. Uh, it's working. If you have video 911, then great. Okay. Um, almost done. Uh, the... Uh, I did want to discuss, again, the newspapers. This is to uh, the county. Um, the newspapers had been saying, or law enforcement said, we just need to turn on the hub. My understanding, as you've already discussed, is there's no hub to turn on, that what the commitment that Commissioner Udine was asking for is that we will be, by February, which is 60 days, contracting with Motorola to create something that doesn't currently exist. And I don't want Commissioner Udine or anybody else to think that we control how long it's going to take Motorola to write the software. And my understanding is they haven't done this in any, uh, any other place, but that they're prepared to, to write, to try and write the software. And that's what's going to be beginning in February. But there is no hub to turn on right now. It has to be created. Is that correct? So, so if I can clarify. Yeah. So there, the hub that there everyone's referring to is a system that Coral Springs purchased. The NG-CAD-X. That X. is correct, the NG-CAD-X. So that's what everyone calls the hub. So the hub, 
I guess this is, let me back up a little bit because it's a little complex. So Coral Springs has a CAD system. The county has a CAD system. The two of them, if you remember in my memo, there's a little diagram because we're using a whiteboard that you got it right there, exactly. So Coral Springs has a hub, the county has a hub. They purchased something called the hub, that NG um, XCAD. And so those systems do not speak to each other because it's technologically. Because they're angry at each other. Well, they don't, they, okay. it's right. not techno technologically capable to speak to each other on its own. You don't, it's not something you plug in and it, and it works and can be tested. So we have asked Motorola, who has the premier CAD system that we have, to see if they can write software and create an environment that we could test that hub to be able to then speak to their CAD to our CAD. So that's what we've been referring to when we're talking about testing the hub and this new system that we people are now throwing around February. I want to be I want to make everyone very cautious with using February because that's not in any of our hands. We have said yes, we've received a, uh, a bid from Motorola. We want to make sure that bid is all encompassing of everything that is needed to do that, but we have committed to acquiring you, you know and engaging with Motorola to go forward and do that. We don't need to wait till February. We're right. ready to do it as soon as we are sure that that's what's, you know, that that bid is. But we don't want to wait six months no, to no, no, issue no, no. the bid. So, that right. bid so we're ready to move February. forward with right. that, right. and right. Motorola can start working right. on that environment. As soon as they are done, that's when we can then start testing to see if they can communicate in a separate, safe environment so it's not in our live um, um, regional okay. system. All right. I'm done with questions, two comments, and I'm done. Number one, uh, and I believe it was Commissioner Uding that brought it up on the self-audit from the Fitch report. I disagree with that. Um, everybody needs somebody else to look over their shoulders to do the auditing, and I just am not a big fan of self-audits, uh, number one. And number two, in terms of transferring everything to the sheriff, the county commission has the responsibility for paying for this, and I, I don't mean this in any disrespectful way towards you, Sheriff. Any law, you know, if you are giving one group the ability to decide everything that they're going to have with somebody else paying for it, if you did that to the military, if you did it any place, of course they will want the most expensive Cadillac system because that's just what people do. But the county has to pay for this. Sheriff, you, do, you don't have at, yeah. Senator, just, I don't want to interrupt you, but is there a motion to at least extend our meeting to one o'clock? Sure, and I'm a bit. Yep. Move it by Commissioner Bogan, okay. second by. Thank you. All in favor say aye. Aye. Post. Thank you, I just want to interrupt your thought. Go ahead. Okay, no, and it's just, you know, I believe that, um, Sheriff, you don't have ad valorem taxing authority. We do. Uh, by the way, I think maybe you should have ad valorem taxing authority so that when you need more money, you can go to the vote. You do it and then go to the voters and let them decide instead of having to come to us where we give you the money and you get to decide, but we have to you know, appropriated and raise it through ad valorem doesn't make sense to me how we're doing this now. But I certainly don't want to make this worse by having us 
<coughs> have the responsibility for raising the taxes without really having any say on how it's spent because at that point in time you would have both the technology and the services. So I am not supportive of that and that is not meant in any way, shape or form in any derogatory sure. statement towards you. I'm the, uh, and Commissioner Udine, you see you didn't really go that long. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Senator. Th thank you, Senator. Thank you, thank you. We're going now to Commissioner Bogan, followed by Commissioner Furr, Commissioner Rogers, McKenzie, and end up with Commissioner Rich for myself. Chief, first of all, as a Coal Springs resident, you do a great job. Thank you. Please keep those cops off Wiles Road because I like to speed there, so I appreciate it. I'll send my deputies there. <laughs> Countywide jurisdiction. It's okay. I'm sure they're going to be waiting. Thanks for letting us know. Um, Sheriff. I wanted to uh, try to do something in a, a different example, and you can explain to me why I'm wrong. Monica's got many departments, right? And she's got department heads. And let's say in one of the departments, things are not going good. Problems are occurring. And so I'm assuming that department head would tell Monica, hey, we got problems. But if that department doesn't tell Monica, she's blindsided and then it comes out in the public. I'm going to use that as an example. You've got a ton of things going on. You've got tons of thousands of employees. So you have a department call center and people running that, like a department. And so in April, I mentioned that article comes out. None of us heard that thousands of calls were going unanswered. I have an article here from, from Senator Geller saying we're, we were blindsided. I mean, so, so when I say to you about the people in that department, they could have 20, 30, 50 years experience. What I'm getting at is one word, accountability. If, 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 if somebody in Monica's department and things are failing there and they don't inform Monica and they don't inform people so to correct it, that person needs to be accountable. I don't care if they have 100 years experience. So I don't, I'm not saying good or bad. I'm not, I'm saying is, so thousands of calls went <clears throat> unanswered. And I have to disagree with Commissioner Geller and Commissioner Udean saying, how dare you? They, they said, you know, I think you guys did a good job. Because I got to tell you, um, you know, that when thousands of calls go unanswered, and we find out about through the newspaper, and, 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 Whoever's running that department, I don't know the people. I never met, if I met them, I don't remember. I never met these people. They could be the greatest people in the world. All I'm saying is, is that, that someone's got to be accountable. And, and I'm not looking to you to be accountable. Sheriff, you screwed up. I never said that. I always point to what departments are running. And, and, and so, so far, as, as of today, it's been six months now since we met and gave you the money. There's no accountability. So I have a problem whether, like I have a law firm and I have different people in charge of different departments. And it, I, I, people are accountable for good things, they get raises, and for bad things, they get fired. And, and so, you know, sitting here, I can't say that department, good job, because like, like Commissioner Udine or Commissioner Geller, because so far I haven't seen any accountability. I might be wrong, I might be way off, but people who are running things that, that show you know, great job communicative. If there's problems, of course there are problems. They didn't have enough money. But things should have come to us before earlier. Why aren't they communicating to you and communicating to us, hey, we got problems here, instead of we find out through a newspaper article. So that's, that's number one. The, the, I have two questions. That's the first thing I wanted to express to you. Yeah, let me start with number one. Sure. From an accountability standpoint, when it comes to our staff communicating with ORCAT, 
about whether it be personnel deficiencies or any type of number of deficiencies that exist and then publicly put in a paper by the Sun Sentinel, if you're not aware of it, that's an internal issue for the county and its team. How do I know this? Because I have in front of me a booklet that outlines every single meeting that our staff has had highlighting on your letterhead, on the county's letterhead, notes about how we have educated from Angie Mize and her team and staff and communicated going back to June of 2021. Saying what? Talking about the deficiencies that we were having with COVID-19 and the manpower issues and trying to address it, right? Talking about the issues when we're dealing with the bandit calls and how all that's correlated. These are things that your staff has to communicate back to you all. So you're saying there's- they can, My staff communicates to me. Okay, so, okay cool. So, so you're saying that there's, there's written documentation saying, hey, we're not able to answer the calls on time. We're having problems because we don't have enough people. We have talked, yes, there's documentation that shows from the four months, if you looked at the report, that are highlighted in terms of personnel shortages was all through COVID-19. We had individuals who were sick, childcare, the whole world was dealing with this whole thing. Right. And our staff, in every single one of these uh, meeting notes, clearly identify these things. So when the Sun Sentinel pumps out a paper and says, that the, you all don't know, and then it's a surprise to you, that's not on BSO, that is your staff not notifying you of what we've been talking about. So like when you come before us for our budget, and you, I mean, like, I don't recall, maybe you could correct me, I don't recall, so if, but if why, you, why, why when you came before us for our budget, say, hey guys, I need more manpower on this 911 call center, please, I need more money, I don't remember that. We have been saying this for the four years I've been in office. Okay, I, County Administrator Bertha I, Henry I and I have worked in strategically. Mr. Uh, Pierre will answer that question too. Uh, I, I think she's going to chime in in a moment. We have had these conversations in our budget cycle and put forth plans to make sure the appropriate funding come in and get this done effectively over a span of time. But the variable you're not considering that changed all span of time was a worldwide pandemic where all the rules changed. Right. No, I, and I, so, I, I realize that. And so there's a ripple effect that impacts staffing, personnel, and right. planning that we had to put in place. And right. so it became a sense of urgency for now. Okay. So, okay. you know, okay. there's not an accountability okay. issue. Okay. You know, I, I kind okay. of prepared for that comment today Good. because I kept hearing it in the paper and I kept hearing it on, in the news presentations that this, com this commission was oblivious to it. That's not true. Your county administrator and her team has worked with us over and over from okay. Bertha to Monica to try to get this resolved. Hey, let me guys. ask you the, sec the second question. Uh, it might be, it's an easier question. I, I, I don't need, if Monica wants to talk later, let me, I just want to finish. So what I don't get, if you could explain this to me, I appreciate the communication. Um, we give you space to operate. We give you space and we're supposed to give you the equipment. Here you go, operate. What is the difference in performance, whether you are in charge of the space and the equipment or we're in charge of space equipment, what's the difference in performance? Why, why will you perform better? Uh, why will you That's perform a fair, better? It's a fair question. I'll, I'll give you two components. I'll start with the infrastructure, okay, about building out the PSAPs. We all read the report. They talked about there's a necessity for it. Strategies are different in, in what we're looking at right now between what the county administrator is putting forth and what I'm putting forth, and we'll meet somewhere in the middle. Prime example, the county currently owns the public safety complex. You own that land. In 1987, we ran a bond for $63 million and built out the public safety building. 
that territory, that land is still under ownership of this county. The plan we propose is to build a state-of-the-art PSAP on that public safety compound, which gives our staff, including myself, greater oversight to be able to have contact, visit our site locations, manage our staff more effectively. Yes, for, let me finish. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. And, and then they spread out, instead of being spread out across three different areas. Second, management protocols and technology. We've sat here and we talked about embedding or introducing these technologies as a collective group. As an individual working with other chiefs, I can make that decision like this, and we're not having this dialogue. We're not having reports being written and done. That increases the expedience, and that's why you're hearing um, behind the chiefs of police, the chiefs of association, the city man, guys, not, not everyone likes Greg Tony, right? We have conflict as police officers and sheriffs and chiefs where we disagree on a lot of things all the time. But this isn't the one that we're disagreeing on because we're the end users of this particular system. Uh, I know Commissioner Geller had, had mentioned that he's in, in disagreement with it uh, because of the concern about, this is what I'm interpreting, the physical responsibility of funds, right? Not giving too much authority over to the sheriff's office where the budget is inflated because I want to buy all the brand new toys, right? Well, pretty accurate, right? So here's the thing, in four years, I didn't have to come back here for any money, right? Only one time, and everyone agreed that it was important, understanding the communication. Everyone voted and we got that done. We have not been reckless in this administration. We have not been irresponsible to make sure that we use the public funds in a manner that they expect us to do it. So if that's the fair element for at least one of my colleagues, I would say this, you still have to write the check at the end of the day. And I, there's only so much money in a budget on a year. We're not going to do anything in a reckless manner, right? You have to be able to get the proper inclusion of all these administrators behind you guys. You have 600 plus years of experience between law enforcement and fire rescue members. And regardless of whatever support elements you put in from technology, I'm going to make a recommendation that you at least vote on it. At least vote on it. Because what's happening is you're not, the, the interpretation is you're not hearing them. If you're not going to listen to your leadership core, not just the elected sheriff, but all these men and women who are serving in chief roles should have some influence on your decision making. And if, it's, if, if so be it, the vote is it's returned to the sheriff's office because it's not given, it would be returned. Let's not forget that. We, we had management over this system. And my predecessors vacated that responsibility for political ease. Everyone knows that. It's a heck of a lot easier not worrying about all the communications. So, so I got, as well as many other commissioners, got notified by many people, give everything over to the sheriff. Why? And I, you just answered, your, I just heard your reason. But to me, if, if I give you a hospital with all the equipment and everything, say, here, put the doctors and nurses and operate, it's not going to matter whether you own that hospital or not, in my mind. In my mind, it doesn't matter. As long as you can get the equipment and get the supplies and get everything you need. you got a call center. As long as we give you everything you need, it, to me, it doesn't matter whether you Commit own it or operate. That's kind of... I understand. Did Commit you want to say something? I'm sorry, Monica wanted yeah. to chime in. Yeah. Yeah. Let me close out with this Thank really you. quickly, because he had a good point about something. So, Commissioner, use analogies often about comparables, and I'm going to give you an analogy. If, God forbid, you're suffering from cardiac arrest, and you need to have surgery, heart surgery, do you want a cardiologist performing that surgery or a dentist? 
We are the professionals and the end users that know this system inside and out, and we don't have to pay someone to tell us in a report how to do it. We don't have to meet with 10 elected officials and two administrators before we can move swiftly. This is about timing and the essence of getting these things done rapidly. It's not a knock on this commission, previous county administrators or previous elected officials, uh, if this was to be turned over, that there's some admission to failure. No one's saying that this commission has failed. I think that's been kind of also an interpretation by hearing all these members saying, hey, turn it over. None of them are saying you guys failed at anything. We're saying this has been going on for over a decade, and the problems that we may fix today in terms of technology, putting them in play. Ten years, five years from now, there's always going to be some new form of technology. There's always going to be a necessity for it. There's going to be a necessity to evaluate it. In this process, the bureaucratic structure of government is too slow the way we're doing it. That's my argument. Yes for mine. All right. Okay, Mr. Bureau. Thank you. Uh, so to clarify something, a few things, and I want to make sure that we put this into to, uh, additional proper context. So the sheriff mentioned that it was with your predecessor, the technology. But before that, it originated with the county. The county gave it to BSO and then got it back. So that history, just to be fully transparent, it was with the county originally. Then there was some discussion and the county commission had voted to give it back, to, or give it to BSO, and then it came back to the county. During that process, that was back in, in the 2014 time period where the consolidation was completed and we went from, to your point, about fewer number of PSAPs. The county operated 12 PSAPs at that time, 12 call centers. We went down to three. That is a huge and significant accomplishment. That reduced calls transfers by 79%. That was a huge accomplishment. That takes time. We're now at three. We're moving to two. The Fitch report, one of the recommendations is to go to two because of what you've just mentioned. It doesn't physically matter where that call center is, per se. It matters that there's fewer so that there's better ability to manage that. We will work through those issues of physically where it's going to get built. I've told, you know, and I've shared with the commission and with you, and we've had many conversations about this, that we've got money in the budget and we're going to fine tune uh, those decisions. But we have absolutely made progress in the last eight years, and we've gone from 12 to three, we're going to two. That will do nothing but help and improve that process. Um, secondly, um, the urgency issue, um, you know, that is exactly where we are, and, and we have made significant gains. Um, and just as we've covered over, you know, the last two hours in this conversation, that we have a sense of urgency, and we have been working towards that, and I think everyone has seen that. I've heard from a lot of city managers um, um, and some police chiefs as well thanking us for the work and the collaboration that, we've, that they've seen. So I appreciate that collaboration as well. Well, of course, but again, for clarity, um, it seems like a very small difference of opinion, which was just expressed with, with Monica, right, and, and myself saying, we think it belongs at the public safety building, and it was kind of, it doesn't matter. It does matter. <coughs> It absolutely matters. That's not a small thing to override. Chief McKeon, how long have you been serving? 23 years. Do you want your PSAP in your city? Do you want it in your police department? Where, where it's at, I 
There's a, is there an administrative benefit to that? Chief, is there an administrative benefit to that? Sure. I've worked in both of these agencies. I'm the only one here who have. I worked at Coral Springs and now I'm the commanding officer for this sheriff's office. And I'm telling you, it needs to be on site. If you ignore anything else I said, do not ignore that. Okay, thank you, thank you. Commissioner Bogan, are you finished? Mm -hmm. Okay, Commissioner Furr, followed by Commissioner Rogers and Commissioner McKenzie, and lastly, Vice Mayor. Thank you. Uh, most of what I was gonna talk about has been covered. Commissioner Udine, thank you for going step-by-step step through that. That was helpful. Um, I wanted to ask you and Commissioner Ryan, with regard to Ryan's proposal, would that, with, with regard to number six and number seven, of what you had talked about, with regard to the oversight and the audits, would those, is that what you were thinking of there? I'm asking. Commissioner Ryan. Through the mayor. Um, that was the concern that, that, that I had is, it's not just simply, you know, do you have enough employees? Right. And uh, do you have a script, you know, and, and how closely do you, you follow it? There are a lot of dynamics right. in that interaction and it may be based upon the changes uh, within a call center on a day or how you see how things are thematically like changing over a number of months. So um, that's why I, I said, you know, we, we haven't done a, a high level managerial operation study. Right. And, and although this has really been fact, fact specific and, and data driven, that is not the complete analysis. That's the analysis that we have in that, that Fitch report, but that's not, I think, a, a complete overview of how we can best operate with the resources that we have. And uh, that's why <clears throat> I have said that a different perspective, you know, and people say, geez, we're gonna go study this to death and on and on and on. Um, we haven't moved away from from Fitch, and, and they're, they're not a bad consultant at all, and I'm not meaning to, to intimate that at all, but um, a different perspective looking at that high-level managerial operation is, is really what okay. I think that we should hone in on, and, and I think that um, um, staff, after un understanding all of what the dynamics are, and they've been in this for years, uh, see the value in this uh, this new set of uh, of eyes uh, to look at the uh, overall operations. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm not going to be doing any finger pointing. Um, I don't think it's constructive. I don't think it's worthwhile. And what I am seeing is, for honestly, the first time in eight the eight years I've been here, this is the best communication we've been having. This is the the way partners need to be working, um, going at it one by one, giving deadlines saying here's what we need, confirming those deadlines, and, and walking through it with our partners. We're partners. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the way I think it's gonna work better. I'm not looking to hand it over just to the Sheriff's Department. I, don't, I think we're better together. That's just my thinking for many of the reasons Senator Geller said. Um, and I can understand Coral Springs not wanting to join until you're confident. I, I, and I think that's what it comes down to. You've got to have confidence in the system. But I think what you're seeing is, on behalf of this, or of this commission, a bona fide effort, a real effort, putting money where it has to be, to put together the best possible system there is. 
And hopefully by the time we get there, that there, that there will be a willingness for those cities that are not a part of this to feel confident enough to do that. Um, I do think the things that, we're, that are missing here are along the lines of what Commissioner Ryan and Commissioner Dean were talking about. Of, I think we do need to see some of the, you know, we, we've got the numbers, we've got more people working there, and you would think that the metrics would reflect that. To date, they're not, and we need to give it a chance. This is too, it's too, too early, but, you know, the numbers have not gone down to where I thought they would go down much quicker. If, you had, if we had a lot more people working, I thought the response time, but as you, read your, as you read the Fitch report, I have not read all of it, but I read a lot of it. There are lots of reasons, and you're, you've been you know, saying some of the reasons. Some of those reasons of there's a lot more phone calls than there were, and there were, and there were few, fewer staff, but the, where those phone calls are going, for instance, with the alarms, um, non-emergency numbers, all those kind of things, we, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that's an absolute, you know, we need help from the cities. The cities are our partners on this as well. Help us make sure that people are, you know, that the average citizen is not calling 911 to say just report a, a burglary if it's not in action or whatever. We've got it. We, we have to educate, help educate the public, and we need to ask the cities to help us on that. Because it is a partnership that all hands are on deck. Um, I did want to know if Motorola might be here. Are they here in the house? They're not? They're not. Because I would have loved to have heard them um, on the timeline. Um, and that's something that we want to, we, I think all of us would want to hear that as soon as possible. And as soon as we hear it, we need to make sure our partners hear it. And so that this, this your communication, collaboration, what's the third one? Community. Community are all, ha are all <laughs> happening at the same time. I know. It's, we're making this happen for you, Mayor. We're making, we're making this happen for you. Um, but that's got to happen because, you know, those reports, the, the, what Commissioner Bogan talked about where, you know, all of a sudden we're all surprised a little bit by, by some of those um, uh, numbers. You know that Sunson brought up. You bring a good. You 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 bring a good point. We need to hear those numbers. Yep. You know that's on us. And you know and and what I'm seeing is a commission right now that is much more engaged on this issue than it has ever been, and that's a good thing. And we need to be. There's nothing more important that we do as, as public servants. And I and you know Commissioner Brogan, you're, you're thank you for bringing this up because I think we you know this is on us. To make sure that we, we're, that we're reading this report, that we're reading every report that that you make sure that we get a report on a you know on a regular basis, so that we can communicate both to you and to our own constituents and to and to the cities. Um, you know there was a time where, when Hollywood joined, the the system, that the we had built a huge EOC. In Hollywood, and I, there was a time where we had considered that being, you know, a potential southern piece up. I don't know if it's big enough. I don't know if it's, but I know at one point it was built, maxed out, for exactly that, and part of the part of the thinking was that would be the southern piece up. I just say that to, throw that out there because it was considered at one point 
I don't know if it's still, I see Commissioner Clary in the back, um, whose um, husband is with the Hollywood Police, or was with the Hollywood Police. So she, she knows of what she speaks. Um, but I, I think this, you know, we are seeing this system evolve, and it's, it's evolved, it's, I think it's, it's at an inflection point. And these, these recommendations, we need to follow up on these. And I think we are. Um, and, and I think it's on us to make sure that we do that. It's, a, it's in a draft stage state, I know that. But those kind of things that um, Michael Ruiz was talking about, like, like a telephone tree that somebody calls and it's not 911, man, get them off of there as fast as possible and get them to somewhere else where they can be speaking to the, to the right person. However we can do those kind of things, however we can divert all those non-emergency, we can be doing that now. What we, what we need to be doing, we've got, I, I, I'm thinking we need till probably May for these metrics and for, all, for you to get all your people trained, seasoned, working <coughs> like a well-oiled machine, and that, that will give us a good time to see um, those performances. In the meantime, I think, I would hope that you would be willing to, to let us help as well on looking at, you know, performance, not an audit, but a, a, you know, strategies, whatever can help. And likewise, if you're seeing things on the technical side, that we should be more than willing to say, come on in. And, to, and if you've got a good idea, we need to be looking at it. This idea of, of silos has got to go. The idea that it is just us on technical and just you guys on performance, no. We've been unwilling to be talking with each other on that. And now is a time where there needs to be some cross communication. And I, I'm seeing it, you know, I'm seeing the willingness uh, on, on both sides. Um, and that's where I'm hoping it's going. So um, I'm, I'm glad to see where it's going. And that's, uh, I think that's all I got to say. Before we go on yeah. to Commissioner Rogers, I think uh, Mr. Perry wanted to have a couple of comments. Th thank you. Um, so the letter uh, that you mentioned, uh, you were talking about the non-emergency number, that letter will go out in the next two days. The Motorola timeline, we will um, reach out to Motorola and whatever we get back, we will make sure we share that with, with the collective group so everyone is on the same page. Um, and um, I've heard from you and a couple other commissioners that you want uh, the metrics on a regular basis that you were referring to. So um, we, we communicate with uh, BSO on a monthly basis. Um, and the sheriff had mentioned about that our team knows. Yes, because we engage with them each and every month. There's a letter that we send each and every month about uh, compliance elements of the performance standards. Um, and then we meet as a group afterwards and then they respond as well. So we will make sure that you all will be copied on each and every one of those communications that we send out. And, and we will um, we'll start this, out this week with the last one that was sent out at the end of November. And then moving forward, you guys will be a CC, the first CC on those communications. So you will see the, the compliance on the performance side that you, that you um, several of you have requested of me. Thank, Thank you. you, because that, that's the only way that we can make good policy. Okay, I'm going to ask the board if they would indulge uh, to extend this meeting. We only have a few more commissioners to speak on this matter, Sheriff. Uh, and we have about four items for the aviation, which just goes as uh, Mayor Udeen would say. The, may, the uh, attorney makes us do that. So I'm going to go ahead and ask a motion to, 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 to finish the meeting, okay? 
With moved and second, all in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed, motion carries. Continue on, uh, Commissioner, for you completed. Commissioner Rogers. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, and I'm glad that you gave me time there. You approved the extension. Okay, let me speak to one issue from the report. And this meeting for me is a learning experience. Everyone here is, has learned something. And I like the collaboration. I like the communication. And of course, we're addressing the community's need and keeping our communities safe. So that is first and foremost for me. But Monica, love it that you have resolved the issue of the non-emergency calls going through to 911 and what we can do today. We don't have to wait forever or to get this body to approve that. Whatever we can do to immediately address that, we, we should be doing and I see that we are taking the necessary steps, okay? This conversation takes me to the training, Sherry, that you had to do. I know you got the funding, you hired some people, but let's speak to the training. I did not see that in the report. How do we train? How do we schedule? I believe that the emergency, those that are taking those calls, it can be stressful. And I don't hear the conversation around the employees. What are we doing? Is there a scheduling? Oh, you work for two hours and then you're off for a while so you can breathe. And then, I don't know, can you explain that to me? I don't know who will be able. Where sure. is that address and how is that addressed? Sure, um, Commissioner, it wasn't mentioned in that Fitch report, I think, because it's something that we had resolved in terms of personnel. Um, several months ago, we had shifted our scheduling going to a 12-hour component, which we ended up polling, talking to our staff and personnel, and that was the best path for us to go forward. When it comes to standardized training, we are exceeding anything that is listed, uh, even within this county and across the state, in terms of the amount of hours we put in between 12-week training protocols and making sure we're in compliance with all the different national standards that exist. Um, I will say to your point, uh, you know, there are a lot of stressors that occur in that job, most certainly, nonstop. And it's important that this body, along with myself and my staff, we do what we can to mitigate some of these stressors. In the report, it was highlighted, again, just about the nature of the infrastructure, the facilities in themselves not being suitable. Uh, and, and I'm not beating this to death, but this is very important for us to move swiftly in building out and getting these new centers up and running so that we can at least scratch that part off the box because it did have a lot of psychological impacts uh, that was you know, listed in this report. There was concerns about whether or not the environments itself were imposing type of hardships, whether it be from hearing, all these things. So as the county administrator and I, you know, go through the next few months and continue to, you know, carve out this path forward for the facilities, I think we'll see also an impact on how the mental health component is for our personnel in terms of being happy at work and not being in an environment that's not conducive for them. Okay. I was also, thank you, Sheriff. I was also looking for, um, the employees were in the study. It mentioned whether or not employees were given an opportunity to address that body who was doing the survey. Were they included in the conversation? Mr. Sapiro, I think what the commissioner's asking if the, if the communication uh, staff was included in the Fitch report in any way, shape, or form. So were they interviewed? The, okay, so I understand a little bit better. Thank you for, for, uh, for that. So. Um, 
So the Fitch report is a very extensive process where the, the, the sheriff's office and our ORCAT staff um, are interviewed in, in the areas that they're looking at. So to the extent some of those things would include them, it would probably be at a higher level for the management side just to understand how those processes and things are functioning. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that some of the lower level, I, or, or when I say lower level, meaning the call takers, not the management side, would be engaged in uh, the, the conversation of how the, the call taking system is functioning or how they're scheduled and, and things of that nature. But certainly just Michael just, and the sheriff can, can speak to that piece of it. Can I make a point of information? Sure. There's a report. It has that exact information. But it's not this one. It's not this one. It was done a couple of years ago. It was done through the MSD commission. There was an upgrade to it. If you read the report, you will see. A few years ago, it was a complete disaster. Employees didn't know, their, their morale was low. They didn't know who they were answering to. This joint thing was a problem for them. Um, and they, up, they updated it. They didn't know the strategies that were in effect. They weren't, they weren't comfortable with training on the new equipment that came in. It, it's on and on. It exists. The report's out there. It's not in this report, but so, you can get it. So we'll just get the report to so, Commissioner yeah. Rogers. So we'll make sure that the one that um, there's two of them and there's an update. Yeah, because we're on phase five, so that there's five different reports that uh, we have. Uh, no, he, he. You're talking about. He's talking about the MSD commission report. But the MSD commission report. <clears throat> All right, that's basically where I'm at. I, the call centers. I'm, I am impressed because I've been around for years and proud of our county that we have moved from the numbers I know down to three call centers. Don't know when that happened. I've been missing for a little while. But it's good to know that, you know, we are getting there to where we have a system that does not fail the end users and those that are making the calls. And that's up to us to make those decisions. So communication, collaboration, and first and foremost, our, commu our community. We're Love and three C's plan. You. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Thank you. McKenzie, and then followed by Vice Mayor Rich. All right, um, I, I want to say one thing. This is a very cold room place. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bald head. Well, welcome to the chamber, sir. I have a bald head, and uh, it's just cold in here. But um, I like where we are um, as a commission. Um, I think I have a different experience from most of us up here, except maybe Commissioner Udine and probably Commissioner Udine, who actually served on a local level, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. that had its own police department. That's the difference. So my experience is, is, is a lot different. And I think, and I don't want to take anything away from MSD, Coral Springs, or Plantation, but they still have their own. They still can vouch for the accountability, the communication, and the sense of urgency when a crisis occurs. You can hold someone accountable. So when I first became a commissioner, Commissioner Fur, um, we played golf one time with Romney Rogers, and you learn from 
from the, from the older folks in terms of experience in the room, um, um, how to navigate. And not saying you're older, but we had, we had good conversation. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> we had good conversation, but at the city, I wanted to come in on day one, especially because of my culture and deal with policing. But I had some relationships that extended beyond the walls. Um, Jack McKinsky over the union, Frank Adderley, who I grew up with, Chief. So I got some orientations prior to getting there, and then I was able to come in and build relationships. And I like what you said, that this is the first time we are here with all the partners in the room talking, talking about where we want to go, and I'm excited about that piece, but what, I, what, I, what, I, what I'm cautious with is, is uh, when you talk about accountability um, and a sense of urgency, um, I'm looking at two, two pieces here. You know, uh, our side, which is the county, and then the sheriff's side, who's, for, who's picking up that call. And I go back to Laugh-In. Laugh-In. Who remembers Laugh-In? No, but Ernestine answered the phone. Ernestine answered the call. Ernestine drove the outcome of that call. If it was the hang-up we talk about, if it was the mix-up in communication, or if it was getting the services to the people, uh, she directed that, and we could all think back and point at Ernestine from Laugh-In. <coughs> when I had issues at the city, I was able to sit down with my chief and talk about it. But when I went to my community meetings, you were closer to, to the MST uh, residents, probably not then, but Coral Springs residents or Parkland residents, and you were, you, you could hear what they complained about. You know, I, I called and they hung up on me. I, 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 I called and no one never showed up. I've been through four police chiefs, four. And those outcomes, I played a part in it. And the one thing I couldn't really put my finger on and control was when we started talking about this regionalized system, because they had to come back and ask the facilitators uh, what happened when it took 45 minutes to get to that call on Sistrunk. And by the time they got back to me 30 days later, which is far quicker than these five years of MSD, uh, this Fitch report and all these other things, uh, and only to find out that by the time we got that call dispatched to us, the officers did my officers, I love to call them my officers, took four minutes to respond. But the conversation started with a 45 minute time lapse and when the end user the 911 caller call whether they were calling for emergent or they made a mistake or what have you, but it shouldn't be this hard for the end user to pick up the phone and try to get help. I've been educating folks for eight years and they still don't get it right. Senator Geller, they don't get it right. 
Because at that time, you're not thinking about getting it right. You're thinking about getting help. And today I heard uh, one of the speakers um, from, uh, again, my fire rescue, uh, Scott Bain, came up on behalf of the fire chiefs and, and made a recommendation. And we worked hand in hand for eight years. And the year before I got there, um, he interviewed me, and we did not get along. I didn't believe in anything that he stood for. Today, if he says this is where we should go, based on the relationship I built, the partnership we're talking about in the room today, I would take his recommendation day in and day out. However, Scott, I'm sitting with some different folks, and I want to build consensus. And I want to see how we get everyone that's standing here at the, at the microphone, all the men and women uh, in uniform today, to me, they are the professionals. <clears throat> to me, Fitch Report didn't just come up with this information. They reached out to the professionals. They asked the professionals what would make it better. So the information in the report helps us understand it. And yes, I have gotten up to speed in such, such a short time, but my speed is more so from the eight years of experience of having to work directly with, this is a different form of government that we serve with now. And I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. Uh, I'm just as passionate as my good friend that sits with me at the MPO, uh, uh, Commissioner Dean, um, when he speaks on behalf of the piece of the pie that he represents. These callers aren't just from the Northwest. They call from every nook and cranny of this county. So I'm concerned about every citizen, every resident. How do we get it right, Mayor? And I look forward to, to that answer. But I do believe in having one person to hold accountable for the outcomes of what we're experiencing. I've had firsthand experience on how I get things done faster by having the, 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 the chiefs, you know, um, right there with me. We're working together, and they say, hey, this is what's going wrong, and, and we try to fix it. And I've seen it both on the fire side and the policing side, where when we really kind of clamped down on them, they didn't have enough bodies. Then I realized how long it takes to get a police officer or fire personnel hired, trained, equipped, and on the job. Blew me away. And not to mention how much it cost. So what you've done to fill the vacancies is, is, is amazing in such a short period of time. Um, but this is an example of if one person, not saying him, not saying us, was in charge of both of the um, components, we wouldn't have to go out and get more reports from the professionals. So I want to participate in this. I do want a timeline. I do want accountability. And to me, in just the short time I've been here in my briefings, um, as, as Michael and I were, were talking, um, I don't know how, how often 
the partners communicate. You know, I know MSD is doing a good job. I know Coral Springs is doing a good job because you answered very quickly about whether or not you want to participate, you know, in coming online. But I had a police department that, and a, a fire department that recommended to me several times that they wanted to pull out of this system, a vamp up, and one of the resistance was the $15 million startup cost to get back to what they had before they bought into this partnership. Everyone really thought centralized and regionalized was going to make it better. I think it was uh, Commissioner Laura Parrish, uh, 2002, I think it was, that, that, that started down this, this road. I don't know about Commissioner the Wexler piece. actually used to Wexler, OK. Yes. But it was 2002, am I correct? Correct. 2002 is With when the, the voters approved the charter. I'm right. Thinking. And in 2014, as you alluded to earlier, when you came, took it back or gave it back, but I'm not sure of, of that piece, but we've had enough experience to, to, to try different things. And I don't want us to not think about giving it to one side or the other, other so we can have accountability. And I don't want to go on and on and on, but my experiences by having my own chiefs in-house uh, help me understand what they need uh, to provide these services uh, to the end users, which are our residents or our citizens, whatever you want to call them, and getting them the fastest responses uh, that they can. So that's the difference I have uh, um, in this conversation, and it's not the Fitch report, which I've read. It's the professionals. It's the professionals. Thank you, Mayor, for allowing me that, that time. Absolutely, Commissioner McKenzie. Vice Mayor. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so much has been said. I want to thank you, uh, Commissioner Udine, uh, for really going through all the recommendations, and that was very effective, I think, to cut down a little bit anyway. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I just want to say, first of all, um, Sheriff Tony, I, I would ask you to take back and um, the first person that did say anything about this, although it was my first number one point, but the first person that said anything about it was uh, my friend over here uh, and uh, Commissioner Rogers. And uh, I, I want to first ask you to go back and after all of this conversation to thank uh, the 911 call takers and operators. Because uh, this, it's a difficult, stressful, anxiety-filled job. And it's totally understandable that we have turnover there. And uh, I just want uh, them to know how much they are appreciated by, I think I could speak for all of us up here, about for what they do. Um, you know, I, I, I think my experience on this board is that when, when we know we have a problem, we, uh, it, it's, we, we generally respond to it. We generally do something about it. And I feel that way about this. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with my, uh, my other new colleague. Uh, Fitch does not recommend giving away the technology system, and I uh, absolutely agree with that. We have, the county has the statutory uh, responsibility and I believe the accountability to handle uh, to handle this and uh, I feel truthfully we've, we've worked so hard to get 27 
cities, as the county administrator mentioned, on board here. And um, we've made significant gains uh, as far as regionalization is concerned. And um, when I look at the letter that was sent to us uh, by our administrator, talking about uh, that we, we are the most regionalized uh, in the state system by far. And I think that's a really good thing. Uh, not that we don't have issues, but when you look at the 10 largest counties by population, we have the least uh, PSAPs and, uh, and we have the um, kind of the strongest infrastructure for a regionalized plan. And I think it's really important, in, especially in the state's urban populations. So I'm, I'm comfortable with, with, with that. That would be you know, my feeling. Uh, as Monica mentioned, uh, the county has put in money when you came to us and asked, and we all stood up here and said, you know, what can we do? We have to help. We have to increase wages. We have to make sure that we have the, the call takers there trained. And, and, and by the way, I just want to mention when people, and sometimes the, our, our, our newspaper kind of focuses on it as if we are the only ones that have ever have, have had this problem. Right. Not only are we the only ones, all through the country, it's been the same problem during the pandemic. And, uh, uh, you know, I think everybody is grappling. And I think uh, you, Sheriff, has just been said, have done a really good job of putting that money out there and recruiting people, as you had said, I think uh, 4,291 applicants. Uh, and you have, you know, not a lot of them come forward and become the actual uh, call takers. So um, I, I am, I had asked you this, I think, before, and I, I still don't know yet what kind of turnover you might be having or attrition even from those that you are bringing in under the new wages and, you know, new systems. So uh, I, that would be of interest to me. Yes, ma'am. Um, we talked a lot about the things, the recommendations, and I think for me what sticks out the most is a, we, we need to have a sense of urgency. I mean, we cannot, as you said, Chief, we can't just wait another three months, another six months. This is just, uh, it just can't happen. Um, and you know, I, I think about Fitch, people are referring to experts. We hired the experts. This is a consultant's report by experts. They work around the country, and, and I, you know, I've read the report, and I, I'm gonna reread it, uh, but I, I think that, you know, we got what we asked for, uh, I'm not, personally in favor of a, of a management study, certainly not at this point. We have enough to do to implement what's in front of us with these recommendations. And we have enough trouble do, doing that, so I, I would want us to, to kind of focus on that. Uh, many people have said we need to set the deadlines, this, uh, this uh, issue with like the Viper technology. I mean, we just need to get that done really, you know, just as quickly as, as, as we possibly can. Um, and, and I know, Michael, I appreciate the fact that you've come on board um, and you've been standing there listening and com contributing, but I know that you are working on the communications aspect, and I, I can tell it already, and I think that that is incredibly important uh, that we, we do, we have that. I'm actually optimistic, Chief McKean, um, with you standing there saying you're considering looking at certain things, and Monica responded that way, so I'm hoping that we, that communication will lead to, um, to, to further regionalization. Um, the last thing I, I want to say is we need a major education campaign, Monica. Um, I've said this before about 911, 211, and 988, and now this adds to it. We need to have a major marketing campaign out there, uh, maybe with us leading and getting it started and working with all the cities. But um, it's, 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 there are calls that don't, we all know, that don't need to go to 911. 
and a lot of the calls that could be deferred that should be going to 988. So, you know, there are, there are all different kinds of components here, and I think we need to really educate the community because it's, it's, a, it's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, if they've been educated for years, 911, call 911, and that's not where we want everybody to go. So we want to be able to, to realize, you know, uh, what, what we need to do for the people who really need 911. So that, those are my comments. Thank you. Mayor, I just want to make a correction. Yes, Commissioner McKenzie. I did not recommend it goes to the sheriff's office. I said we need one accountability yeah. with one side or the other for the record. Well, thank you. And thank you, commissioners, and thank you for my first meeting. Everyone being so professional and so understanding of everybody's <laughs> comments and, and uh, the brief ones that uh, Senator Geller had out. And, and thank uh, you, Senator. Senator Rich, thank you. Uh, no, seriously, uh, speak, speaking last as the mayor, uh, a lot of times everything has been said, and it really has been said. So there's nothing really I can add to my colleagues' comments other than I totally agree with them. Everybody has their particular view and experience. Thank you, Commissioner McKenzie, and, and uh, sharing that. But most importantly, um, thank you, Michael, uh, for your dedication and your team, Monica. Uh, the education that I received from this subject uh, to prepare for today was um, truly rewarding. Sheriff, I want to thank you for your dedication and every law enforcement officer that you are underneath you uh, and that you lead and even including the communications uh, dispatchers. I, I would not have that job. I mean, that is one of the probably most stressful job I think anyone could ever have uh, in any type of industry. Uh, and to see the sheriff coming and the, and the chief to come here. So what I'm so pleased about is the collaboration that I'm hearing and the communication I'm hearing that we learned from the past, as the chief said, we've learned from it, but now we're gonna take it from today and we're gonna move it into the future so everybody becomes a stakeholder, a team member to ultimately uh, have our residents feel safe, that they can call the 911 when there's an emergency and, and we can get the response there uh, as soon as we can. So I'm so pleased with this outcome of this meeting. I can't tell you. So on behalf of the board, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you everyone who was here. And thank you for your service. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank that you, concludes item 66. We are now going to back to our regular agenda. We are item number 61. If I can get our reading clerk once the uh, room uh, empties out. Okay, if we can, uh, everybody can leave quietly. I'd like to just go ahead and finish up our meeting if we could. Since our clerk in the back is, uh, had not had a break, nor is anybody else. Ms. Coleman, how are you? Latasha, if you can begin with item 61. Okay, 61 is a motion to approve. Ladies and gentlemen, please, please, so we can continue our meeting, please. Go ahead. Item 61 is a motion to approve First Amendment to the cargo building lease agreement between Broward County and Delta Airlines at Broward County's Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. 
Moved and second. Moved by uh, Senator Geller. Second by Commissioner Furr. Any further discussion? You need to have a point? I thought you. I know. Well, okay, Commissioner Eudine seconded that motion, okay? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Item 62. Item 62, motion to approve second amendment to the public transportation grant agreement with FDOT for increasing the total project cost for planning and design of the rehabilitation of Taxi Line T project at Broad County's Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. Moved by Senator Geller, second by. Second by Commissioner Rogers. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Item 63. 63, motion A, motion to approve sole source designation of microsecurity solutions incorporation doing business as microsecurity systems integrations, Inc. to provide closed circuit television installation repair and maintenance at the Broward County Fort Lauderdale International Airport. Motion B is a motion to award opening contract to sole source vendor microsecurity solutions Inc. doing business as Microsecurity Solutions Inc. for FLLCCTV installation repair and maintenance. Moved. Uh, Commissioner Bogan has moved it. <laughs> okay, and Senator Geller has seconded that motion. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Our last item on our regular agenda is item number 64. 64's motion A is a motion to approve sole source designation of Robinson Aviation Inc. for Airport Ramp Control Consulting Services for the Barrett County Aviation Department. Motion B is a motion to approve agreement between Barrett County and Robinson Aviation Inc. for Airport Ramp Control Services for the Barrett County Aviation Department. Move it. <laughs> Commissioner Bogan moves. <laughs> Senator Geller seconds. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. That now concludes our agenda. We are now in the report section. And we will quickly move forward to our commission, followed by other uh, officers. So, Commissioner Rogers, do you have any reports? Okay. You want? Senator Geller? Commissioner Furr? A couple real quick. Um, couple real quick. Um, I actually had a chance to um, see a collision somewhat of, of two big innovations from the county, both our innovation center and our, our compact summit. They, they had a pitch night, a shark tank, on resilient ideas. It was amazing. It was, we, had, we had invited all these different private sector to come in and have, you know, give us the best ideas on resiliency. We got, we got to see ideas of how to build seawalls out of plastic and, and just all, I mean, just a ton of great ideas. So it was like having those two things in our county, having an innovation center where you could do it, yeah. but having a compact that would generate such ideas, uh, fantastic. I think everybody knows about the summit this um, uh, this week, but also for those who, I, I hope everybody knows, but if you get a chance to be at the, um, the in, launch. in the circle, um, there's a discussion with Dan Stander, and that's at 4 o'clock tomorrow. No, uh, Wednesday. Tomorrow. And it should, be, it, it, it's a, it should be a really good discussion, worthwhile. And then lastly, I want to congratulate my chief of staff, uh, Delma Quintana, on becoming the new commissioner for the city of Hollywood. Yay. She was sworn in the other day, and she'll, she will do a great job. Yeah. Right. That's it. Thank, Thank you, Commissioner. Vice Mayor? Okay. So I just have one thing today. I had the honor of uh, uh, presenting an award to one of my colleagues right here on my right. 
Beam, the Honorable Beam Fur was presented with the uh, Democratic Humanitarian Award by the Hills Democratic Club on Sunday. And uh, I have to tell you, it was such a pleasure to be there. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's such a, a wonderful representative of the community. And his sister uh, was there, Tiffany, and um, she has a, she uh, sang a song. She apologized for her voice, but it was not <laughs> bad at all, tell her. Uh, and uh, her, that their mother had written when you were how old? I well, she she actually wrote the song when it was born, right when <coughs> I was born. When he was born, but she sang it to JFK in 1960. Wow. Yeah, she wow. sang it to JFK in, wow. in 1960, and it's called "There's Nothing Like a Democratic Dame." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the award was so well deserved, and I was just so honored to be there and to be a part of it. So, congratulations, congratulations Commissioner Fur. Thank you, thank you, Commissioner Dean. Um, just uh, so many holiday things coming up. We all have the different holiday parades in our district. I know we have North Lauderdale this weekend, Winterfest Boat Parade, Coral Springs next week. Uh, I know we'll be back again next week, but I just wanted to <coughs> make sure everyone safely enjoys the holiday season and wish everyone well. I'm thankful that Commissioner Bogan brought up this 911 issue. I think it's an important <coughs> issue that we should continue to discuss. Um, I don't bring this as any representative of any area in the county. You saw when we were here when we talked about the Hollywood Tower. I said it before, I'm voting on these things for the entire county, for every person. If it costs me my seat on the county commission eventually, it doesn't matter. I just want there to be as much safety as possible. And um, so I'm going to continue to go to these MSD meetings only because they seem to be scratching a lot of the issues that we have. And I'm going to ask Monica if she would, when you send these reports out and these letters that you mentioned, please send everybody the ORCAT agendas. So when they have these ORCAT meetings, because I think that a lot of the stuff that we that we hear later come in these different ORCAT meetings. Exactly. Whatever it's called. Yeah. The, yeah. the, 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 the governance group. The because a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here, they're bringing up it there and it may not be filtering up. And, and at least we can see that, you know, through that end, because there are really a lot of things that it's difficult for us to gather up here. You know, not to rehash everything, but the reason that they want to have a PSAP right within their facility is because I know for a fact Chief McKeon knows which 911 operators had a bad day, which kid that lives with them had a bad Little League game. Sheriff Tony has a much bigger organization. With regionalism brings economies of scale, but it also takes away a lot of that personal hometown feeling that a lot of people really um, want to look at. And a lot of times we're being fed things up here second and third hand, and when you do get the information, like, like uh, Commissioner McKenzie said, it's coming back a lot differently. You know, when they talk about thousands of calls being unanswered, in a lot of cases, you have to take issue with that. If you see a car crash on 95 <laughs> and 500 calls come into 911 because they see that crash and they've dispatched it on call number four and it's out there, some of those get dropped and it's, not, it, it's an unanswered call. It's a statistic, but, you know, just something to think about. Those are my comments, um, and I look forward to uh, working with everyone. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan? No comments. Okay. Commissioner McKenzie, any reports? Report. He did. I'll see you at Winterfest. <laughs> All right, last but not least, um, and before I get to, uh, well, Mr. Myers, did you have any report? Mayor, the only thing I was going to ask is uh, if 
commissioners are going to attend any sort of staff meetings. I know I heard about you know the, the summit for tomorrow and then the ORT meetings. Just please coordinate with us because we'll make sure that whatever sunshine notice needs to go out uh, gets out. It is sunshine. In, in the, the circle is sun. It is sunshine it's, already. It's, it's sunshine, but it's there were there were a couple of little uh, issues with it. So some of you will be hearing from us just to make sure we're we're eliminating and limiting risks. So thank, thank you, Mr. Myers. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it, it's fine. It's just uh, anyway. You'll you'll hear from Chris. Mr. Melton, you've been so communicative today. Do you have any fuller report? Thank you. Monica, any further reports? I haven't spoken much either today. So, uh, let me, let me, so um, I just wanted to give a special shout out to um, uh, a lot of our public works traffic engineering team members um, who are continuing, if you can believe it, still work um, post uh, Hurricane Ian um, over in the Cape Coral area specifically. Many of you uh, remember our deputy, our former deputy county um, administrator, Rob Hernandez, who's the city manager there. Uh, he gave a special uh, plea for help, and, and we still have team over there helping. They, they were significantly hit. So um, they've received several commendations, and I just want to give um, a special shout-out. Um, and also uh, another special shout-out, which if I, hopefully I don't get hit uh, from my right side, but um, uh, this weekend, uh, uh, Ms. Kim Campbell, our current county, uh, Deputy County Administrator, mm -hmm. received uh, recognition for Social Justice and Equity Leadership Award at the Community-Based Connections Annual Gala. So I want to congratulate you. Thank you. So, that's all I have. And I'll you. just end up aboard just to um, the very first proclamation outside of the commission meeting uh, I did uh, was to recognize World AIDS Day. It uh, was very nice, rock the ribbon, and had a great uh, event at the Gallery Mall. And then lastly, and I don't think Mark Gale's here, but uh, is he? Mark? And additionally, of course, I'm going to give a shout out to the 34th Winter Festival of Music at FLL is back and will run from December 5 through 9, from 9 to noon. And we have been partnering with the Broward County Schools on this annual holiday tradition, which will make and take place in the select terminals and the rental car center. So always remember our children out there. God bless everybody. Thank you for a great meeting. This means adjourn. Thank you.